From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 36. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep and go-to meeting. Make it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How's it going? I am dandy, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, I'm in a good mood because we have a mic at the movies today. We do. We do. It's a big. Uh, it's a big one. And as we'll remind everybody, um, because I think some people miss this, is you don't have to listen to Mike at the movies. Some people write in and say, "Oh, it was so long because you had the movie thing at the end." We promise there will be nothing other than uh, nothing like of technology value after we start Mike at the Movies. It's a bonus. It's like the ATP post show. It's a bonus and you don't have to listen. Nobody's going to test you on it. There won't be a quiz on what happens there. Stuff before that, there will be a quiz. Check your box. Mm -hmm. But um, not the the Mike at the Movies part. That's just extra. Big one today as well. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Today's Mike at the Movies. Mm -hmm. I do like Mike at the Movies days because I get to watch a movie for work. It's great. Yeah, that's true. That's good. That's sort of my incomparable experience sometimes. It's like, oh man, I got to watch this movie. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's work. I, I actually paid for the, the movie tickets for when we saw Age of Ultron last week with the incomparable gang. You know, the corporation paid for the tickets. It was like, yep, this is a business trip. Yep. Business trip to see a movie. It Field actually trip. was. Totally legit. Yeah, crazy. We have some follow-up. We do. So uh, I would like to start off the follow-up this week uh, with a message from Upgradian Eves. He has heeded a warning uh, upon yes. upon us and the listeners. This is good stuff. I, I've done some follow-up research as well, but explain what Upgradian Eve is talking about here. This is in regards to some, uh, I think it was an Ask Upgrade that we had last week from Robert about uh, syncing his documents folder through iCloud. We both said, that seems fine. Like, why not go for that? This is why not. Um, Eve says, I would strongly advise against letting the documents folder sync through iCloud, Dropbox, or anything else, like Chronosync in my case, at least when there is more than one Mac involved. Many programs save their preferences and or working files inside the documents folder, and if they are synced between two or more Macs with the same programs, these programs may not be well prepared once these files change without notice. Just a quick aside, I like that Eve calls them programs and not apps. There are exceptions like 1Passwords, which have a dedicated folder sync in cases like this a sync is welcomed in all other cases a user need either to decide on a case-by-case basis if a sync doesn't distribute problems between Macs or should do a selective sync and omit the non-document folders of programs yeah so uh, so I've got a few things here one is I, I I dispute the concept that many programs save their preferences inside the documents folder that's not that's not true maybe some do I'm sure some do but most programs on the Mac save their preferences inside your um, library folder, which is not the documents folder. It's a different folder. Um, And so I think there's less of an issue here um, than that. But it's totally true. There are programs that if you just dump everything in your documents folder into iCloud, you do risk having uh, or or Dropbox or whatever. You risk having some weird behavior if you have two Macs that are running and accessing that information simultaneously. Things can get weird. Um, And uh, I actually uh, did some research on um, 
photos uh, because somebody was asking me about this on Twitter too. A lot of people have asked about putting photos on a, a shared library uh, like uh, on a server or in iCloud or in Dropbox. And the answer is you can't move it to the iCloud drive. It will error out. <laughs> Unfriendly error, by the way, not like, I'm sorry, you can't move it there. It's more like it can't be done. I, you know, it's just a weird error. Um, if you, you can move it to a shared volume and if somebody else tries to open that uh, library while you have it open, you uh, it, it also gives you kind of a weird error. It basically says, I tried to repair this and I can't. Uh, but it won't let you open it if it's open somewhere else. And if you put it on Dropbox, it's really bad because if you can absolutely open that library in both places on Dropbox. And that creates conflicted copies, which the Photos app doesn't see. Um, and that's not good. So... Um, I do think you got to be really careful when you sync your documents, and you need to be sure that you're you're syncing stuff that you actually want to sync. Um, and you know, I, I just say caution. This is why I actually suggested last week that you start moving things over and see how it goes, rather than just sort of like select all of your documents folder and drag it into iCloud or Dropbox. But I think there are lots of cases where it works really well, and there are especially um, there are also cases like like Eve mentions with uh, pass one password where. Uh, it, it's made to work really well. They're, they're, they have a they have a sync system that they use, but there are other cases where it gets really weird. And I think I think Eve's advice is exactly right. If you want to sync something to Dropbox because you want to use that Dropbox space and have it available in the cloud and have it be kind of a backup for you, definitely consider using the selective sync feature and turning it off on all the other Macs so that they don't see it. That's for photos. That's what I recommend. Is if you really want to have your photos library also on Dropbox, uh, just as a backup, that's okay. But uh, put it in a folder, turn Selective Sync off on all the other Macs that you have who have access to that Dropbox, because you you could get in some bad situations if you had multiple Macs trying to open and read that library file at once. And I, I would like Apple to, it would be nice if Apple wrote something into Photos that uh, warned you when it tries to open something from something that looks like a Dropbox folder, or actually actively like writes a file into the package that says this is open right now that photos checks and says oh it's got the this is open right now file in there maybe i should warn the user that they should not open this but um you know there are various things that 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 apple could do but you know i i I appreciate so i i dispute some of the details of what eve's saying here i think it may be a little overblown but in general this is true you should be really careful when you sync because some stuff especially packages can get really weird they've got databases in them and then you've got different conflicted versions of databases and things can get weird really fast um i do have a little bit more follow-up if you remember on last week's episode um i mentioned that my girlfriend had purchased an apple watch the day prior yes and that it was going to be shipping in uh, around sort of late May time. The 27th was the original shipping uh-huh. date. Um, a couple of days after we recorded, uh, it moved up a week. So it was going to be shipping by May 14th. And then last Thursday evening, it was out for delivery, <laughs> which was very surprising to everybody it's the, involved. It's the smaller model, right? Yeah, it's the 38 that, millimeter uh, with the white sport band. The, those seem not to be constrained in the same way that the larger models are. No, not at all. I mean, because it, it was, you know, originally was shipping in like two to three weeks, but it was just really interesting that it, like it said it would be the end of May, then it was the middle of May, and then without any warning was on a truck like to be delivered. Um, 
She was only able to pick it up today. <laughs> Quite unfortunately, we were going away for the weekend, and it was being delivered to her office, and we had to leave. Like so, she hmm. she picked it up today. Um, so she's she's kind of been been setting it up, I think, at work because I started receiving um <laughs> taps and uh heartbeats and doodles and things like that from uh my girlfriend today now jason just sent me his heartbeat as we i speak. did now when i receive uh, so this this is something that i found quite interesting and i'm i'm not the first person to recognize this but it's a new thing for me when i send my heartbeat to jason or i send a doodle to casey or i send some taps to steven the majority of the time we're joking around with each other like it's a lot of it's ironic and stuff like that but doing these things with somebody what the person that i love like romantically because i love you all you know um Mm. it's it's a very different experience it feels very different there is something about it where it's like this is a different thing this like receiving her heartbeat is a different uh, like it just holds a different emotional connection uh and i'm and i'm feeling very positive about that i like that a lot i like that that is something that we now have in our lives now i guess it's my case to make sure that she keeps it because she, she's i think rightly said she doesn't she doesn't know how it's going to fit in her life um and she wants to make sure that it can fit in her life so she'll be taking advantage of the return window if necessary that's great. I, I, I love that she's trying it out, and it'll be interesting to see whether she does decide to keep it or not, um, and how it fits into her life and how it fits in your your life your lives together, too. Um, I got mine, too. The one that I ordered finally oh, yeah. showed up. The, the black, the space gray with the black band showed up. So what are you wearing, then? I'm wearing that one right now, but um, I'm still sort of in this position of not, not being sure which one I want to keep and which one I want to get rid of. Um, I think my wife prefers the the black model to the to the one she says she didn't like the green band i'm not so sure um i'm not sure so sure i like the black on black and maybe this is the influence of our friend uh, matt alexander but he he's cautioned everybody about uh looking like too much of a nerd and wearing just this all black item that it doesn't really go with anything and it's really you know it's it's really heavy and i have to admit i kind of feel some of that i feel like you know it it I really kind of liked the lighter look of the of the regular sport, not the space gray sport. Um, and I like I like the look of this, and I like the black band. And yet, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that I like this better. If the only band I would ever have for the other one was the bright green sport band, I would probably feel a little bit differently. But I'm planning on getting at least one other band. So um, I'm still I'm still not sure. But um, I'm trying it out for a week, basically. And I'm gonna see whether I wanna whether I wanna keep the space gray one or or uh, send it back or uh, or instead sell off the one that I got on day one. I think that this the the more I think about the space gray one, like it can you have less options to like add to it because less bands will go with it. I think. Then well, yeah, just... even the even the um like the. There is a contrast between the uh, you know silver aluminum sport and the uh, stainless steel uh, lugs on those bands, but it's less of one than it is. The, I mean, the space the space gray is so dark that there will be much more contrast with every other band that you put on it. I think you could only really use the leather loops or the sport bands. 
Yeah, I think I think that's true. And, and I want to use the I want to use the classic buckle. So that's another thing that pushes me toward. I think the classic buckle would look okay, but you know it's going to be dark watch, dark face, dark band, and then bright lugs, mm. which is weird. So I don't I don't know. I'm 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 open to it, but you know what a problem to have. Which Apple Watch to keep and which one to throw back, man. But anyway, it is. I it's fascinating because I was sure that this is the one I wanted, and I got the other one just entirely accidentally from a friend. And now I'm not I'm I'm not sure that I made the right choice. And you know I might I might actually like that, uh, that green sport. Uh, you know, not like I said, not not necessarily the green band, but the uh, the lighter colored body. Because luxury. Because luxury. So it turns out uh, that Universal owned the rights to do the standalone Hulk movies. So that tur- turns out this was a thing. Like, a few people sent this into us. Well, it's weird because yeah. So Universal released those, um, and uh, I guess Mark Ruffalo in an interview said something about that. And yet, yet I'm I'm unclear on. On the status because that the Incredible Hulk is considered a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. There was a um, there was a Tony Stark cameo, and I believe General Ross from that movie is appearing. Thunderbolt Ross um, is appearing. They're going to replace him with USB C Ross. That's uh, that's a mm. shame. Um, the in in the Captain America Civil War uh, thing. So yep. I, I, it's it's yeah, it, but it may be. Although I'm just unclear, I don't know whether that means Universal says, "Well, you can use him, but only for the only for the um, the Avengers movies." I'm a little unclear about why they wouldn't make a deal to move forward with a Hulk movie. Uh, maybe Marvel is saying you can't have Mar- Mark Ruffalo. Maybe Universal is saying, you know, we don't want to do this. It, it seems weird because it would seem like after the reception the Hulk has gotten in these two Avengers movies, you you would think it would would have rehabbed the reputation of the character from their two kind of lackluster features. Um, you know, I was thinking because I really like the I really like the interaction between um, Banner and and Black Widow and how that that character arc um, has been interesting for 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 Banner. That uh, that uh, without spoiling more about Age of Ultron, um, you know, maybe that maybe that would be something. As if they did do a Black Widow movie or they did some some other kind of thing, I'd like to see more of of Mark Ruffalo. I I I feel like they're just kind of they've got him for four movies or whatever, and they're going to use him sparingly. But it is kind of a shame that. Um, we can't get a, a broader canvas from him. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Marvel thinks that the Hulk is better when he's you know used sparingly in these Avengers movies instead of the two features that they made that were kind of flops. So I don't know. But but yeah, Universal is involved, so it's not as simple as Apple. Apple, <laughs> Marvel. I do that all the time. Marvel and Apple. Damn oh, it. Yeah? Um, I do. I do. It's strange that Apple would not make a Hulk movie. Yeah. <laughs> See. Um, uh, but but uh, Universal being involved changes the changes the equation there. So that kind of that kind of makes sense. That now it's a it's a they seem to have a friendlier relationship than like with the X Men movies or the Fantastic Four movies. But it's still or the Spider Man movies used to be. But it's still an issue. So maybe that answers the question. It feels to me like they're probably at stalemate. Like Marvel want the the rights to lap so they get all of the control. Right. But Universal don't want to let him go because they're hoping that Marvel will want to collaborate on a movie. Right, but Universal can't get Mark Ruffalo or something like that, and they don't want to make a movie without Mark Ruffalo because, because it would be a marketing disaster. Disaster, yeah. <laughs> like a different Hulk. Like yeah. Yeah. Can you can you imagine a different Hulk? That would be that would be like having a Flash TV show and then introducing a totally different actor to play the fa- Flash in a, in a in a movie. Oh wait, 
they're doing that anyway. <laughs> but it's not like what Marvel uh, is uh, is has been successful with. So I guess we'll see. The Hulk is cool. Hulk was cool in Avengers. It's cool in Avengers too. Um, yeah. And good follow up. The last piece of follow up uh, has come from uh, Mike on Twitter. Uh, Mike has actually developed a uh, T9 text input app <laughs> for the Apple Watch. He currently has it running in the simulator, and you'll find uh, a link in the show notes, which you can find at uh, relay.fm slash upgrade slash 36 or in your app of choice, uh, which includes a GIF of him showing it working in the simulator. Um, Mike went on to tell me, my current plan is to have a text, uh, I have an input text and it saves as a note in an iPhone app for sharing later. And yeah, releases this, this free is, or open source. That's pretty funny. It do, it does seem to work. It's it's uh it's yeah it's it's crazy. Shine on you, crazy diamonds. Yeah, like, it's great. Such <laughs> amazingness. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy, but that's awesome. So that's a, that's an awesome uh, example of uh, uh, ingenuity. We'll say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Right. That comes to the end of the follow-up for this week. Uh, we have a few yeah. topics that we want to get to. So, Mr. Jason Snell, could you please tell the world about Casper mattresses? Oh, yeah. So our first uh, our first sponsor on Upgrade this week is Casper. And I get to talk about the Why do I get to talk about this, Mike? Because I, I, um, I, I sleep on one. Indeed. I think do. that's the reason mm-hmm. you want me to talk about this. So if people... If people don't know, Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses, and their prices are great. A fraction of what you will find for a premium mattress if you go in the store. It's sort of like a high-tech reinvention of the of the mattress business. You order it on the internet. A box appears at your house, a strangely small box. And in there is a vacuum-packed Casper mattress. It's made of, um, it can get that small because it's made of latex foam and memory foam in uh, in layers, which... Um, you, when you open the seal, do it in the room that you're going to sleep on the mattress in because it expands, it sucks in the air, expands to fill the space. And now it's a mattress sized like a mattress. It's a mattress. And, uh, it, it, I've been sleeping on one for a few months and it's great. They, they use the phrase, just the right sink, just the right bounce. And it is really appropriate. I, I was shocked at how much my old mattress felt like kind of like a trampoline, like the cat would be on the other side of the bed and I'd sit on one edge of the bed and the cat would be like, and like jump off the bed. And it's because the old bed was like way too weird and bouncy and stuff. And this one is super soft and luxurious, but it also doesn't feel like the weird memory foam feel. And I know there are a lot of people who are really turned off by memory foam, but by putting the latex foam layer on top, you get this really nice combination um, that works really well. Um, When they, when they talk about prices, you, you, Premium mattresses can often cost more than like fifteen hundred dollars. Casper's got a range of mattress prices starting at five hundred for twin, uh, seven fifty for full, eight fifty for queen, all the way up to nine fifty for king. Um, they're all made in the USA, right, Mike? USA, US, USA. Okay, okay. Thank you. Um, and uh, you know, I, I really like the convenience of it. The fact that you can buy this over the internet, it comes in a box, um, and you can, if you don't like it, you can you can send it back. There's a hundred day period that where where you can return the Casper mattress. So if you're afraid to try a mattress that you get over the internet because you don't know how it's going to feel, this is the beauty of the Casper system. You can actually send it back if you don't like it. Um, laying on a bed in the showroom is not going to tell you whether you like it or not. So s- sleep on it like literally sleep on it and see what you think um and uh yeah so so i've been sleeping on my casper mattress and i like it a lot uh and they don't pay me to say whether i like it or not that's me saying 
I like it a lot. You should try it out, especially given the 100-day try-on. So here is where you go. You go to casper.com, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash upgrade and use the code upgrade to get $50 off any Casper mattress purchase. That's casper.com slash upgrade. And thank you so much to Casper for supporting the show, all of Relay FM. And, um, you know, I sleep on your mattress, so thanks for that, too. For supporting you at night. Yes. Yes, they give me, literally, they are supporting me at night. Otherwise, <laughs> I would be on the floor. So, earlier, uh, I think it was earlier this week, you published one of your articles that you write for Macworld. Um are they yes. editorial pieces? Like, what What are they classed as, just out of interest? I think, uh, I don't know if they're classed as, are they, I think we're calling it a weekly column. Column. And yeah, so, you know, I have, I don't know, it's a thing I write for them every week. And they, you know, Susie Oaks over at Macworld comes up with some ideas and shoots them past me and I say yes and I write something and they pay me. It's a great, it's a great system. <laughs> Industry. Uh, yeah. Column, that was, that was the word I was looking for. Sure. Um, so in this column, you talk a bit about um, Apple TV remotes because there's been some rumors, right? Which one of the newspapers right. got, had the rumors? I, I, I lose I track. Don't know. Like one. Let's let's just say Wall Street Journal. <laughs> we'll just go with. Oh that. no, it was Brian. It was Brian Chen. So it's the New York Times. No, it was Times. Brian Chen. Okay, former MacWorld printing lab testing guy. Now New York Times tech writer, <laughs> Brian Chen. I want to take a very brief aside for just a moment because yeah. you mentioned MacWorld. Uh-huh. Uh, if anybody has not yet heard um, the Welcome to the Macintosh episode about Macworld, oh yeah, uh, it's just stupendous. It's at macintosh.fm, uh, episode number four called Page Turner, which features uh, my lovely co-host, Mr. Jason Snell, John Syracuse, yep. and Serenity Caldwell. That show is incredible, and that episode is extra special. It's just brilliant. So Such good work. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, you... Kind of, and then took this rumor, and the rumor being that the there could be a touchscreen on the Apple TV remote, right? Or that it could all be in an, in and of itself just a touchpad of some description. Yeah, yeah, touchscreen is probably not accurate, but but a, a yeah, a touchpad. The idea of a there, there's this rumor that that there's going to be a a touch surface in in the remote. The idea that you would you know you you'd slide your finger along a surface and and it would read your you know read your movements, and that would be how unclear whether that would be the only way of interacting or or a, a way there might be physical buttons too it's kind of nebulous about that because it would i think it would be safe to assume it will probably not be a screen because it would that would feel kind of pointless yeah well and it would be pointless uh it would uh really use the battery so you're you're now you're docking your remote control every day and at that point, you've got an iOS device. I mean, like, if you really want that, you should use your iPhone as a remote. Um, and we can get to that because I heard from a lot of people who love using their iPhone as a remote. I think it's uh, fine for some things, including text input, but uh, crazy for other things because I fundamentally, I don't want to look down. I especially don't want to get my phone out of my pocket and unlock it and launch an app and then look down and make sure I'm touching the right place on the touch screen <laughs> uh, when I could just, like, feel for a button and press yeah. it. But uh, I think the nice thing about the idea of a touchpad that might even have some buttons on it um, at the top, but but there's also a place to hold it and just kind of like move your thumb up and down and side to side, is um, you don't have to look. It's not a screen. You're, you're, all you're really doing is flicking your finger and, or your thumb. That has appeal. I can understand that because I do, when you get in that, that mode with an iPhone, 
using the remote app and you're doing that to move around, it feels pretty natural. I could see I could see how that that could be something. Um, and then there's also speculation about about uh, haptic stuff that that it might also you know do some of the vibration stuff that we've seen in the Apple Watch and in the Force Touch trackpad. And maybe there's something there where it's it's giving you feedback as you move with your with your finger. I, I I'm less convinced of whether that would be particularly useful or not but the idea of a touchpad with maybe some buttons at the top um because i I do like physical buttons i think it really helps because you can orient your 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 hand and your fingers on the on the remote without looking at it because when i'm watching tv i don't really want to look down away from the tv in order to press a button so um I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting idea that that Apple might put a uh, you know a touch area on their remote. So the more I hear people talk about this, in my mind, like the image that I'm drawing is like what people expected the iPhone was going to look like. You know, like a touch pad of some description and then a click wheel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of viewing like a, uh, like a credit card, you know, or a little bit larger kind of thing um, that's got a touch area at the bottom and some like a strip of buttons at the top, maybe. So, guys, I keep Something hearing like people talking about um, false touch being like the great savior of the button in this, and and I don't know really know how that would work. Like, I feel like people are, are saying that. Or believing that force touch could give the impression of buttons, and I just don't think it could do that. Like yeah. once you click down on it, you might be able to feel something, but it it can't give you the impression of a raised button. Like it can't do that, right? You no, have to be uh, clicking uh, constantly. Yeah, or 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 if it's doing haptics as you move across the, you know, you move. The idea is like as you're moving through menu items, it might give you a little buzz, but that doesn't really help you if you're watching something. No. Um, and I, I, if you have to move your finger a few times in order to orient, like, are they going to say, well, to pause, what you do is put your thumb on the butt on the on the remote, and then go and move it down until you feel the third buzz, and then click. It's crazy. It's just no. That that's not that's not it. So I I I don't know. I I feel like it's going to be something like the Apple remote is now. That's got um you know a play a play pause button and a menu button or something, and then below it, it's going to have a touch area. And that's how you're going to do the directional stuff, the up, down, left, right. And then maybe, you you know, you squeeze it essentially. And there's a force sensor that uh, so when you squeeze it, it, it counts. And maybe there's a haptic involved there. So, you know, you're, you're not actually moving the, the, the trackpad when you click, but you feel like a little buzz. I could see that. But like that's sort of all I can envision for this. There is this part of me that like hears an idea like this and wonders... I know what we say it can't be and it can be this, but then I think, could Apple just go ahead and make a full touch device anyway? Like, we all think we, we need buttons, but they're just like, no, but this is super cool. Look what it does. Well, then- it, could have, it could have no buttons. It could totally have no buttons. Um, it could also have no buttons but different force areas so that if you, you know, there's just a thing that says play, pause, or menu, or whatever that's in the, uh, it, that's in the corner... <laughs> But it's not actually a physical button. That could be too. I mean, there are lots of things they could do. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what it is. I, I, you know, in the in the piece, I also throw out some other things that have happened in in remotes lately that are kind of interesting, like um, the like the Roku and I guess the PS4 have um, headphone jacks. Yeah, because you mentioned you mentioned the Roku in there, and and I think uh, it basically it has a headphone jack in the remote, so you can plug in headphones to watch 
so you can watch something. You can watch something about disturbing people, right? So imagine yeah. that you're in bed or whatever, and someone's sleeping. And you can watch TV by plugging your headphones into the remote. And you mentioned in the article uh, that it seems like an obscure feature, but I wanted to just point out because I didn't know if you knew this that PS4 controllers have a headphone jack in them, um, which is mainly um, intended for like headsets for gaming. Mm-hmm. But sure. it is possible in the PS4 settings, and I'll put a link in the show notes in case people need to know how to do this, to route all of the audio uh, from the PS4 through to the controller. So you can just plug your headphones okay. into your controller uh, and you can play you can play that way again in the same idea. You can play a video game without disturbing the other person in the room, which is yeah. fantastic. Hmm. It's a great feature. Um, and I use it quite a lot, actually, because sometimes I like to play video games with my headphones because they're better than the speakers on my TV. No. Oh. Um, so I, I play that way. Um, and so my my son does that with the Wii U because the Wii U gamepad, you can just play on the Wii U gamepad and it's got a headphone jack. And yeah, exactly. Play that way. Exactly. Um, I, I think I think that's a that's a cool idea. I, I doubt Apple will implement it, but it's kind of a neat idea. The idea that you can you can. Uh, uh, you know, not bother bother everybody else while you're while you're watching something. And then the other thing that's interesting is Amazon added um, a microphone into their their uh, Fire TV remote, so that you know. And I, again, I'm not saying like full on Xbox um, declaring everything that you want to you know want to do. Xbox pause the display, whatever. It's a Ahoy console. Pause the movie while I go get some soda uh, but instead the idea for things like voice search because that was the number one thing that people brought up about using the iphone as a remote is that nobody likes using the ouija board you know where you have to move around and pick letter by letter that's awful and so what amazon has done is said you know we support voice search so if you want to watch daredevil you press the little button and say daredevil and it goes and finds daredevil for you that's that's good <laughs> that's a good feature um and i could see apple doing something like that um although you know, I wrote a speculative piece last year about Apple TV where what I said was, I wonder if Apple TV will either have a Kinect style, like, you know, a microphone and camera that you can put on top of your TV, or whether it will be something like that that you put on top of your TV um, that has inputs that are intelligent enough that you can just, you know, talk to Siri like you talk to um, talk to Am- Dan's uh, Amazon Echo, for example, um, maybe you could do that. Maybe that you know that would be an option for Apple TV. It's all out there. I mean, this is what's fascinating about what Apple will do with the Apple TV is all of these things were options for them, <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see what they chose and what they didn't choose and why. Because they could totally make something that is a a, a Siri kind of thing that uh, sits and has a FaceTime camera and sits on your TV and listens for your commands and things like that. And if they don't do that, there'll be, there will be a reason why. And if they don't have a microphone on their remote, there will be a reason why they chose not to do that. Um, but it's interesting to think about all the possibilities at the very least. I think one of the reasons they would put it in my opinion, in the in the microphone and it being invoked to a button is because Apple would never be able to use Siri in a TV ad anymore. Right. (laughs) So every time the TV ad comes on, it activates yeah. everybody's Apple TVs. Microsoft be, had this exact problem. They'd be ahoy, ahoy, telephoning it. Ah, oh, they, there's something they could do that would be clever. But, uh, but yeah, that's it's possible. I mean, that's the nice thing about the Amazon feature is that it's a button. You press it, then you say something, and then it goes off and searches for it. It's not something that's just hovering in the room at all times waiting for you to say something that sounds like ahoy telephone but isn't ahoy telephone. So ahoy television. 
We got lots of, we're living in a world with lots of ahoys, Mike. There's a ahoy timepiece, ahoy television, ahoy telephone, ahoy metal tube. So many ahoys. I did find it interesting that we didn't get, that I saw anyway, one complaint about activating people's uh, echoes. Amazon echoes. Yeah. There aren't, there aren't very many out there. And since it's by invitation only, right? There aren't that many. And we were way Just worse about that. Like than we were about oh, yeah. about the the Ahoy telephone scenario. It was unfortunately just Dan that we affected. Just Dan. Hey Dan, you're welcome. <laughs> um, in regards to the Apple TV, um, are you expecting that WWDC is going to be when we're going to see some of this stuff? Like, especially presuming that we're probably also going to see a music streaming service at WWDC. Is that too much? Yeah, I um, I feel like the most important question, and again. Tim Cook's Apple, the rules are changing. But the question I always ask when we're looking at WWDC is, is there a developer story? I feel like that's the number one thing. It's like, is there a developer story? Because you can launch anything at WWDC if you're Apple. You've got a platform. You've got a keynote. Great. But um, you need to launch things at WWDC where you're expecting the developers to get involved. I feel like that's like the the extra push. And so if you ask that question of every rumored announcement for WWDC, I feel like it can be illuminating. Like I said, maybe things are changing and it doesn't preclude them from making announcements, but generally they try to have a developer angle. So, for example, uh, music service. I don't see a developer angle there. I, I, I see that maybe... You know, it's available because they're going to, they're going to, the rumor is put it in iOS 8.4 or whatever. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me at all, given that they make lots of entertainment announcements in the fall, that it wait till the fall. And then they announce, they announce it then, maybe in iOS 9, maybe in an iOS 8.4 that comes a little bit before iOS 9 comes out to, to keep compatibility with devices that are not compatible with iOS uh, 9, if there's any change there. Um the Apple TV thing, it's the same thing. I feel like if there's a developer story, if they're going to let you do apps, if you're going to, the, the, the developers will actually be able to do something with the Apple TV as a platform, then it makes sense for that to happen at WWDC. And if not, then they could kind of do it whenever. They can, they can do it later. They can do it in the fall and have it be a big holiday seller. So um, I'm kind of up in the air on it. I feel like it, there could be a developer story there. I'm curious about the watch too. Like, will they make watch announcements? Will there be a you know Watch OS 2.0 uh, announcement as well? I kind of expect there will be. But Apple TV, um, maybe. I hope so. I've been waiting for you know Apple TV, uh, you know, as a platform for, and I know developers have for quite a while, a long time, and it just hasn't happened. So maybe this will be the time. But if they're going to do that and developers can want, write uh, Apple TV apps, then yes, I think they have to do it at WWDC. I think that there is a possibility for some development in the music service, but CarPlay-like development, small group, yeah. accepted in, yeah. um, because there are there are other types of services that you could integrate into that platform a little bit and also push some information out. Uh, Federico had a, a, a really good... Uh, read some really good thoughts on this on Connected mm. last week. Um, there are there are some like you know you could have lyrics and you could put you know you could have Shazam integrating and stuff like that. By the way, if you've not yet tried the Shazam Apple Watch app, you need to try it. I don't understand how they're okay. doing what they're doing. It's amazing. All right, it's one I'll of the most out. impressive uh, Apple Watch apps that I've tried actually. Um, like the lyrics and all that stuff, it's madness. I actually don't know how they're doing what they're doing. Uh. 
but yeah, I, I see that if you're going to do an Apple TV at any point, right, it's got to have apps now, right? Because that's expected. Like if, the, if you're going to make a serious move, like if you're not just going to continually upgrade the box, like if you're, if you're going to make Apple TV what Apple TV should be in 2015, uh, apps is a big part of that. And if apps is a big part of that, then it, you need to talk about it at WWDC, right? It just seems logical. But I don't know about about I don't know about the watch yet. I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see anything more at WWDC, like in a in a real big way, other than a like stay tuned. Well, they they promised that they will give developers access to more of the operating system. So there could be a stay tuned, and then they'll roll out more in the fall. Um, they could also do you know Watch OS two point and say, here's a beta of watchOS 2.0. This is going to be out in the fall. You can start developing your apps now. The same sort of story that they do with OS 10 and iOS. Um, that would be interesting. Um, likewise, the um, you know the big iPad rumors, where there's this talk about like, oh, there could be a big iPad and all of that, um, that, that is different and that there are some different developer rules. That could possibly come, although again, more likely it'll come in the fall when they traditionally release all the iPads. And that... Developers will have no time to plan for that, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility if that product is ready that they could release that product or announce that product in the summer, along with changes that developers could, you know, could write to. Uh, more likely, they'll they'll have like lots of mysterious APIs and lots of mysterious changes to how you can build uh, iOS apps that. Uh, you know, they they will say nothing about why, but it's very obvious to observers that it's that something else you know, an iPad of a different screen size is coming because that's basically what happened with the iPhone the last couple of years is it was very clear that there would be bigger iPhones because they were starting to talk about different tools and different ways of laying out apps and why would you need that <laughs> unless you were doing, uh, you know, a bigger iPhone at some point. So we may see some of that uh, too one way or another. That's the fun The fun thing about WWDC. There's the stuff that gets announced, the stuff that doesn't get announced, and then the things that are hinted at in the details but not announced. Considering we were less than a month away, there's going to be a lot more WWDC talk on the way. And I'll ask this question. Certainly. I don't really I don't really think we need to answer it right now, but it's just something that's, you know, circulating in my brain as we talk about this stuff. Uh OS 10, 10.11, iOS 9, Apple TV, uh Watch 2.0 and maybe HomeKit and a music streaming service potentially. Is that too much stuff? Like just if you just look at the developer platforms in there, if you if you ignore HomeKit, because I'm just throwing things in to make the list longer. Mm-hmm. Like if you look iOS nine, OS ten point eleven, um, assuming it will be that right, um, uh, Watch two point and Apple TV one point It's a lot. It's a lot, right? That like that is just. But do we not think that they're not building all those things? I think we all think that they're building all those things. Sure. Is it sure. is it too much for Apple? Is it too much for developers? Is uh, it too much for the event? Both. I just wonder if it all needs to happen at the same mm. time. I mean, and this this well. goes back to you know the age old discussion of do we need <laughs> mm-hmm. to do these every, one every, every single year? Does and do they have to, to happen next? all? And do they have to happen all at once? Yeah. Do, do you really need to use WWDC as the platform to launch all of your developer initiatives? You know, they didn't announce the watch there, and there are 5,000 or whatever watch apps at launch day, right? They didn't need to do that there. So you could totally do watch OS 2.0 in the fall as a yeah. as a beta and say you're going to ship it at the end of the year or in January 
And you could totally do that. Will they do that? Or will they say, oh, but we can announce it now. We got we WWDC. We got to do it yeah. now. Um, and I, I sometimes I, I think that, that there is an actual push and pull within Apple that's like that, which is there are people who are like, this is our time. We should do it now. Uh, tell, give it all to the developers now. And then there are other people who are like, it's too much. Let's just do this later. There's nothing stopping us. Look what happens. The developers are going to love this stuff regardless of when we drop it on them. Why do we need to drop it on them now when, when we're doing like eight things at once? It goes back to the age old software quality discussion too which is maybe getting these things not all on a announced new version in in june ship it in september schedule might be good right maybe stagger it a little bit but you know the, the downside of that is if you've got watch os 2.0 and the features that uh, will take advantage of that would if it if they would be better on ios 9 let's say which is a good question <laughs> would they require you know, if you if you're using iOS eight and there's a new watch OS update, would they bar you from installing it if you weren't running iOS nine? I would think not, but it's a it's an interesting question. I don't know. Th- these are all the these are all the questions that you're right. We'll be swirling out there that we can talk about more as we get closer because we're what a month away now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just as my one last point is just as someone who has been like knee deep in iPhone history recently. Um, I I do really feel like we're gonna get a uh, watch roadmap event like we did with the iPhone SDK. No, oh, so could be. I think that they'll say we have stuff to say about the Apple Watch. You know, it's coming this year. We're gonna have an event shortly, uh, which you'll hear more about, where we outlay some of that stuff. That's 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 what I think we're gonna see. But we'll, mm. we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. It could it it could just be in the keynote. I mean, and and, and it could be that simple. Of we said. That you know, thank you for making all these watch kit apps. Uh, we said that by the end of the year, we would let you make full apps. We're on track for that. Stay tuned. Yeah, you know, that's, they, that's it could what be that. It's going to be. It could be that that simple. And whether they do a special event for that, or it's just part of some other some other event, um, or no event at all, right? Because they with a yeah. developer message like that, they can do no event at all. Because like they, when the watch know, kit stuff yeah. came out the first time. Yeah, it's just here's a bunch of stuff. Boom, here it is, and everybody. Uh, absorbed it and wrote you know thousands of apps without having even touched the hardware or maybe touched it in a lab for in a few cases right talking about tv stuff you bought a new tv um let's talk about that but before that let me thank our second sponsor for this week's episode and that is squarespace squarespace are the only one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own professional website portfolio and online store for a free trial and 10 percent off visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code upgrade at checkout squarespace build it beautiful if you are somebody who maybe already has a website and you want things to be uh, just easier to manage or maybe you're looking to start your first ever website or you want to put a portfolio online or set up a store of your own i think squarespace should just be a place that everybody considers now it is something that i've used for so many years um, for various projects simply because like for example, for me, I have a couple of projects at the moment that run on Squarespace. I have uh, MikeHurley.net, which is just a website which has my name on it, right? Because you just have one of those. And then RelayFM runs the blog and the store, our RelayFM store, they're on Squarespace as well. So I have MikeHurley.net there because it's a very it's a very easy way for me to have a very good-looking website, right? Squarespace's templates are beautiful. They have responsive web design built right into them. They just look fantastic on all devices I can choose and very easily make customizations so I can make it look just the way that I want. I can touch it, 
set it up and just leave it there because that blog or that website gets very little added to it. So it just sits there. It's never a worry for me. And whenever I need it, I can just go there and add stuff to it. Very simple. And then when we have um, the Relay store, that's like, you know, we have to store on the blog there. It's because we didn't want to build a blogging part into our CMS for podcasts. So we just thought, why don't we just go to the place that we know it's going to work? So we went to Squarespace. Very simple. And also the same thing. Do we really want to build all the infrastructure for a store? No. We'll just put it on Squarespace because they give you all of the features you're going to need. They look after them. They maintain them. They update them. They upgrade them. It's just fantastic. They have loads of different additional pieces of functionality that you can take advantage of, like the cover page. I've played around with this in the past. Um, it allows you to set up just a single page website or like an intro to your website or something like that. For maybe a big announcement you've got. It has all of the power of a full Squarespace site. You can even set it up with a different template and a different design so it looks different and catches people's attention. They have Getty Images support so you can throw in um, awesome stock photography at just $10 an image and one of the reasons that I always continue to come back to Squarespace they have 24-7 support through live chat and email so whatever time you're working on your website if you have any problems they're there to help you they have teams located in New York, Dublin and Portland who are there to help you they have rock solid fast hosting they have the dev platform, so you can go in and tinker and add some stuff. I know that uh, Stephen uses that to, to do some special things to his site, Photo Pixels, that's also on Squarespace. Uh, they can give you a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and just so much more. I'm confident, I'm very confident, if you try out Squarespace yourself, you're going to love it. So you can sign up right now with no credit card needed and start building a free trial. Go to squarespace.com to do that and when you decide to sign up make sure that you use the offer code upgrade to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show thank you to squarespace for helping us out at relay fm squarespace really beautiful, beautiful. so indeed beautiful squarespace um no mm-mm. no you don't <laughs> like that one i don't think i don't think squarespace will go for that for our singing the well we'll see it's but it's extra hey. we gotta charge extra if we sing come exactly. up with a jingle <laughs> we couldn't so <laughs> we don't um so right let's move on so you bought a tv uh why did you buy a new tv it's a big purchase a, a tv not necessarily in cost it's just you know people yeah, don't buy tvs uh, that often so so um wh- while i was traveling my wife was watching tv in our living room and she's just watching a show and in the middle of the show suddenly the t- our tv that we've had for five years our 42-inch LCD, LG TV, just says, no signal. Like, okay, that's not good. Um, you know, maybe it's the maybe it's the switcher. Maybe it's the, the, the TiVo. She switches to other inputs, and it all says no signal. Yeah, that's the like, problem. It could be a million things, right, at uh-huh. that point. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm gone, and, you know, I, I'm the person who set all this stuff up. So she's like, well, it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't work anymore. I think it's broken. I gave her some things to try. Nothing worked. And she said, all right, well, you know, I hope that when you come home, you find out that it's broken because I would hate for this to just be that I pressed some button and didn't understand <laughs> it. And in fact, she was completely validated. It was busted. And I did some internet searches and found out people saying, well, essentially what's happened here, uh, you know, on these kind of models is that something happened like on the logic board, basically. And you might be able to get somebody to fix it for, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars. And I had that moment where it's like, I'm already unhappy with the, the picture quality of this TV because I it's five years old and I bought a, I bought a, a a 
TV for a different room last year that was a cheap, you know, it was a cheap TV. It was, I think I got it at Amazon, but it was a cheap TV and the the black levels on it, although not at like plasma level, John Syracuse will tell you, but were so much better. It's like you could see so much how the, the technology has evolved in five years. So I was already looking at this TV like all the blacks look really gray. It, you know, it, it just isn't, it, and, and I wish it was bigger. And because um, we bought it to fit a space where a TV used to be, and I think I kind of underbought. I thought, oh well, you know, forty-two inches or whatever is plenty, plenty enough. But there was room for more, and I, I, I had been thinking that. So I had that moment of like, you know what? I'm not going to throw more money at this, at this TV that is um, I already don't like and just broke. I'm going to let's look and get a new TV. So we went to, uh, we went to Costco. I decided th- then I did the whole like do I want to invest in like a really expensive TV that that I'm going to have forever and I thought you know I kind of don't I kind of want to I I kind of want to get something that's kind of uh, you know reasonably priced um and if I can find something at Costco that is where you find a you know a cheap or reasonably priced TV that will last a, f- a few years and if it lasts longer it I'll move it to another room um, and that room will have a nice big TV on it. So we went to Costco, and uh, indeed, uh, we found a TV that was uh, I felt was reasonably priced. And uh, what was funny about it is it's a uh, so it's a Vizio, which is uh, an interesting uh, TV manufacturer that proves that advertising can elevate you from being you know Sampo to being a brand that people recognize, but. Uh, Vizio to me means, you know, ch- pretty decent quality, but cheap. And I did some, you know, CNET searches because I know all the TV nerds out there are going to be like, oh, God. Like right now, John Syracuse is polishing his, I don't know, you know, his his laser beams to destroy me uh, for being making a bad purchase. But um, I did some research online and, and found that this was actually a pretty good quality TV for the price. Um, and compared to some of the other 50-inch TVs that were uh, that were available. Um, also, the Wirecutter doesn't have any recommendations right now because they're they're shifting model years, so there was no consensus for what the best, you know, really high quality TV was anyway. So for for um, for a pretty good price, I got a Vizio 50 inch L, uh, LCD that is um, that turns out is a 4K model for basically the same price as a as a uh, 1080 model from Samsung. And uh, bought it, brought it home, hooked it up. Looks great. Uh, five years difference from the last one. Doesn't look as good as my mom's giant plasma TVs that she's got, but you know they don't make those anymore. And uh, but it looks so much better than the old one did, and it's bigger, which is really nice. We watched a movie on Saturday night after we bought it, the whole family, and that was a lot of fun because it was a, it was a, it was the Avengers because we were going to go see Avengers two the next day, and uh, it's rumbly and there's lots of stuff flying around. It was really great, and uh, and then. Uh, after the kids went to bed, we watched uh, Daredevil on Netflix in 4K, which mm. was also interesting because they have the 4K streaming built into the TV, and there's not a lot of 4K content out there, but Netflix does it. And so we watched that, and that looked that looked really good. My internet connection is apparently fast enough to support the 4K stream, and it looked uh, it looked really nice because it's this is essentially a 2160p monitor. 2160p. Hmm. That one hasn't crossed my mind. Like that, that isn't in my memory yet. Like the other dimensions, you know. Yeah, like well, 1080 so and 720. 1080. Well, so this is double 1080, is what it is, which is what they're calling, you know, ultra HD, uh, kind of uh, kind of display. This is it's a double double 1080. 
But, uh, you know, that was sort of beside the point. I think, I don't know whether there's going to be a lot of 4K content out there or not, but um, TV looks good. It was a good price. Um, hopefully it will last longer than the old one or as long as the old one. The old one lasted five years. And uh, the Netflix, playing with the Netflix 4K stuff has been fun. I want to do some more before I kind of render a final judgment about whether it's just a gimmick and whether highly compressed uh, 4K video is any better than slightly less compressed uh, 1080 video. But maybe. I mean, I, I think it's a higher bit rate for sure. So maybe in the end it, it, it looks better. But um, but yeah, new TV. New TV in the house. 50 inches. It's nice. Nice to have a larger TV. Are you able to switch between um, HD and 4K on Netflix? Uh, like, can you choose which one you want? I don't, well, <laughs> you uh, one one Netflix plan supports it and one doesn't. But right. on the box, I don't think you can force the non H force the HD and non 4K version. I guess um, what it would you just do what Netflix does, right? And just streams best quality. Yeah, you press the info button and then you can actually watch and see what resolution you're getting. And it'll go, you know, 480, 720, 1080, 2180. And then you're, you know, then you're all the way up. Left of the races. And then your TV takes off and shoots into space, I think. <laughs> I mean, this is really difficult on a podcast, but what are you able to describe, like, what looks better? Is things just crisper? Are the col- do the colors look better? Like, what is so, like, 4k like i don't really well 4k i mean it's it's there's more lines of resolution is the idea so it's it's like i I mean theoretically you could say it's like retina i mean they shoot it in 4k are the effects rendered in 4k i think that our friends in the in the effects uh um in the effects business sometimes they they do the effects at a lower resolution and then scale it up but you know the daredevil stuff looked good um, it, it's more resolution. There's always this debate of like, can you tell the difference between 720 and 1080? Some people can, some people can't. Um, can you tell the difference between 1080p and 1080i? Some people can, some people can't. Can you tell the difference between 1080 and 2160? You know, it looked better to me, but I don't know whether that's a placebo effect or not. And that's why I want to give some, I want to spend some more time with it. Um, and, uh, and then, and then I'll see. But, uh, cause also I'm, you know, I'm paying whatever, two or $3 more a month for Netflix to have access to it. So I want to decide whether it's even worth doing that. But um, it's kind of a fun thing to play with. And uh, yeah, I do think we chase... In fact, I read an article that said that Netflix is working with um, some like TV manufacturers and stuff about a high dynamic range uh, spec because there's a, a thought that having more dynamic range in a picture is actually much more noticeable to people than uh, more dots at this point. So what's the frontier of higher quality images? I don't know, but... Um, you know, like I said, the Daredevil episode we watched looked great. And they've got some demo stuff. It's very much like the early days of HD where, sure. you know, most of the content that's available is like demos of, uh, you know, people in the ocean or uh, like Waterfalls. HDNet. Yeah, HDNet, which was at one point the only HD channel available, used to have a show that was like The Sunrise. And it was literally somebody set up an HD camera at sunrise in a lo- in a beautiful location somewhere in the jungle or at, in Hawaii. And then for half an hour or 15 minutes or whatever, it would just be that one shot of the sunrise. It's and like there, the, there, the windows in Back to the Future too, right? Yes. 
Yeah, you can make it. You can them. tune it in to be anything. Yeah. So that was in the early age of HD. It was like, how do we, how do we impress people with this? Oh, I know nature photography. We'll do nature photography. It's a little bit like that. Like Netflix has a show that is essentially that, which is nature, high definition pictures of nature. There's a 4K show that, that is all of that. But then there's some movies, and all of the Netflix originals now are being shot in 4K because Netflix is pushing this as a, as a format. It's funny you can't watch 4K on um, Netflix on the on my Retina iMac here. Because they don't support uh, streaming the high-res stuff to PCs, mostly, I think, because they're afraid, probably rightly, that people will intercept that stream and then have this super awesome high-definition version of the show to, uh, to put on BitTorrent. So it's, it's you know, only appearing, for now at least, in locked-off devices like this uh, embedded in my TV set. Um, I think there was one thing... It made me smile when you were talking about the sunrise thing. When we were in Romania, uh, there was a TV channel. I can't remember the name of it, but basically, it just showed a like a a garden with a lake in it. Like that was the channel, uh, which is very amusing nice. to me. Um, and Joe Steele in the chat room mentioned that this this could be an interesting way for you to test. The Apple TV does not support UHD, which is 4K Ultra HD. So yeah. you could set up. What box were you using? Just out of interest. Yeah, well, I actually, these days I've been mostly watching Netflix on my TiVo because right. it's integrated into the TiVo interface. Right. So you press it and then it launches the, the TiVo app. But So yes, I could I could do that. Although the challenge there is you couldn't really do it simultaneously because I don't think, I think the, the 4K stream would de- degrade if there was yet another video stream on the line at the same time. But I could, I could definitely use that to kind of go back and forth and see with the same episode of something and see if yeah. I notice the difference. Uh, I don't know if the Sunrise show is available in just HD or, or or whatever it is, the, you know, plants and animals that are highly defined. Um, yeah, we'll check it out. But it, it's a little like the um, the fireplace log shows that are on at Christmas time that are just, it's a log in a fireplace. If you don't have a fireplace, turn on your TV. Pretend it's a fireplace. <laughs> For all the family to gather around. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's very exciting when they get when the the log burns out and they put in a new log. That's people. That's you're, that's riveting television. It's like when the the DVD screensaver goes to the corner, right? That thing. You familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. Should we uh, Should we move on to ask upgrade? Is it that time? Uh, I I think so. I think it is that time. Great. So uh, we have our sponsor of ask upgrade this week, which is our friends over at Mail Route. Jason, would you like to tell the people about the Mail Route? I would love to tell the people about mail route. Did you say the mail route? Mm-hmm. The mail route. It's a route that the mail takes to get to you. What is the mail route? The mail route goes through mail route. Uh, mail route is a, a system that intercepts your mail before it gets to your server. So basically, you sign up, change what's called an MX record, which is a it's a domainy thing. But if you're running. Uh, uh, mail server, you probably understand what that is. It basically says, where does all my mail go for my domain? And uh, you change that to point at mail route. And so mail route takes your mail in, it analyzes it, and then passes through only the good mail and leaves the spam and viruses and bounces and stuff like that. They just never get to you. They're kept in a holding bin at mail route. This also means that mail route servers are, uh, they, they're taking care of them. They're updating the hardware and the software. You don't have to worry about any of that. Uh, they get to see all this spam as it comes in, and I think that improves their intelligence in figuring out what's good and what's bad. If there is something 
that is valid that got filtered by MailRoute. And that does happen occasionally, although it's very occasionally. Um, you can get an email sent to you with a list of all the spam that MailRoute filtered out so you know that it's working. And with one click, you can have that mail delivered and even have the person who sent it whitelisted so they're never, uh, they're never spam blocked again in the future. Uh, so since you don't have to uh, install and maintain everything and the servers that you do have now are not getting pummeled by spammers, which is a thing that happens. And my email server that I used to run uh, just got killed by all the spam coming in. And I, I would still be running my own mail server, frankly, if I had MailRoute back then, because uh, having somebody to sit between me and the spammers would have saved me a huge amount uh, of uh, network traffic and uh, and burden to the server. Uh Large organizations use MailRoute, universities and corporations. It's uh, got all of the things that an email administrator or an IT professional would want for mail tools. There's an API for easy account management and it supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, and mailbagging. Mailbagging. I went Batman, Thank you, Batman. On this week. That, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Everything you want from people handling your mail. You can start a risk-free trial. Don't even have to put a credit card down. You sign up, change those MX records, and that's it. Your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. So there's no reason not to try it because it's a free trial. So all upgrade listeners will get 10% off, not just for a little while, but for the lifetime of the account. Here's what you need to do. You need to go to mailroute.net slash upgrade now. Mailroute.net slash upgrade for the 10% off offer. And thank you to Mailroute for sponsoring Upgrade and Relay FM and me and filtering out my mail and Batman. I did assume. Thank you, upgrade and mail route. <laughs> I did assume, right, that if uh, Batman had an email uh, account of his own, you're like bat at batman.com or something. Um, <laughs> or not Bruce Wayne at batman.com. Bat, uh, maybe bat.man. Bat bat new, <laughs> new domains all the time, right? Maybe there's bat.man, super.man, spider.man. Mail Could be. at Merle, bat. Merlin. Merlin.man. <laughs> I just assumed that he would get a lot of spam, right? So he would he would use MailRoute to, to help him. Um, you know, like those utility belt companies, they send a lot of, a lot of spam email. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure. Also, like uh, you know, uh, service on the on the Batmobile, like uh, oil, get an oil change on your Batmobile, things like that. Batman doesn't want to put up with that crap. Nope, that's what Alfred's mm-hmm. for. Now it's kind of like Alfred. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I want to thank everybody because uh, I went into our Ask Upgrade sheet this morning, Jason, and we only had a couple. Of, of Ask Upgrades uh, from last week's episode. So I tweeted about it, and I think we now have enough for the next six months. So Yeah, I, I think so. Did you notice, by the way, that we got, um, we, that spammers found hashtag Ask Upgrades? Oh, yeah, I saw that. I cleared them out from the, the, the Google document today, but that was fun to go through. I don't know what was happening. I think we ended up getting inadvertently caught into some sort of Spanish uh, Q&A session. I don't really know what happened. Uh, but that was that was an interesting thing to go through. It was very strange. Yes, in language I don't understand, and um, I couldn't decide whether it was intentional or whether we like got t- trending somewhere accidentally, and yeah. then that gets picked up by spammers. But but in the end, we have this just amazing like chain. There's some some of the some of the tweets are just completely. Like no, there's nothing there. Yeah. Like, remember me? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, which is oh, okay. So here it is. So these, it seems like it's a link to um, a, the Twitter account Upgrade Official, which is from the Philippines, 
and it looks like it's a boy band. Yeah, I, th- I think what upgrade. happened was people were saying like ask something like it, it was like a name of one of the people in this boy band, uh, and then he tagged ask upgrade. So I'm concerned now that this might happen, uh, but you know we might be okay. We'll see. Uh, but our, our hashtag has been has been coerced by a Philippine uh, Filipino boy band. Boy band. We it's as long as they make us members, Mike. Yep. Then yeah. I'm okay with it. We did sing a moment ago, so that was our our uh, audition. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't even know what to do anymore. Uh, Derek, um, on the no more events label that pops up on the Apple Watch, Derek has suggested, and Jason, I'm interested to see what you think. What about a one minute daily appointment called blank? Uh, just some spaces for twenty three fifty nine. So it would always say, you know, twenty three fifty nine blank. Would that work until uh, until Apple maybe or maybe not issues a fix? Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that either because it's just going to say twenty three fifty nine and then nothing. Yeah, just a reminder that that midnight will come. Dumb. Yeah, and then after midnight, it probably will just tell you what your thing is in the in the morning. Mm-hmm. But it won't say no more events. But yeah, it's a nice hack, but I wouldn't do it. No, neither would I. I I've I've come to terms with just not having my next calendar calendar event on my watch and I'm okay with it. I was oh, really, really excited that it was that it was a possibility and if I was still in an office and I had like 10 events during the day I would probably do it, but I right now I just don't have a calendar event on my watch face. Um I haven't decided if I'm going to keep it. I it doesn't bother me. Um no more events doesn't doesn't bother me anymore. Uh but I and and I th- see this is the thing I think I like having my next event there. But I'm not 100 percent sure that I do. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that mm-hmm. I I like it there, but I do, I actually don't know how often I use it. But there, there we go. Um, so let's let's move on because that one did not did not fly. So we have Chris. Right. Uh, sorry, Derek. Sorry, Derek. Uh, with mobile boarding passes on the watch, are there issues with the display sleeping when you turn the watch to scan, right? So if you're going on a plane and you bring up passbook and you bring up your boarding pass, mm-hmm. um, if you usually, like, if you turn the watch away from your face, the screen goes off and you see in all the videos and stuff, people turning their watch, like, away from them face down onto the scanning thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one, I was going to ask, Jason, do you know? And two, what happens with Apple Pay? Yeah, so I really like this because um, Apple did something very smart, which is when you scroll to the barcode in Passbook, the watch face stays on, if not forever, then much longer, and it goes to full brightness. Yeah. Okay. That's and, what I'd expected so, yeah. because yeah. when you go when you're in Passbook on the iPhone, it like and you go to that point and you you open a pass, it like ramps the phone up to full brightness anyway. Yeah. All the, all the other UI drops away. It's just the barcode, and it's at full brightness. And uh, and then when you move your hand away, um, it stays on. So it's cha- it, it's a special mode for scanning that happens there. Um, now Apple Pay is all NFC, so you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you don't it, the you don't actually need the screen to do anything. You just kind mm-hmm. of wave it, and it do, it does it. Yeah. I bought two hot dogs with Apple Pay last week. Oh yeah, at the, at the, baseball, at the game. baseball game. Yeah. It worked. It worked, although the, the the scanning, the passbook didn't work. But the guy was like, oh, this scanner is bad at devices. You should use her scanner. And I ended up scanning my uh, passbook on my phone instead of the watch because I didn't want to make people wait in line behind me sure. at that point. But uh, it totally 
uh, it totally worked to Apple Pay totally worked to buy hot dogs. That's like half of the Apple Pay purchases I've made have been hot dogs at the baseball game. But you know, hey, it works. I would be surprised if this is the first time you've had this next question. This comes from Adam. Um, Adam has said, I'm abandoning Picture Life for now uh, for the new Photos app, but I want to keep the memories feature. So uh, like many of these photo sharing services, Picture Life will send you uh, like on this day kind of ah. kind of pictures. Uh, do you have any suggestions for this? Has this, this crossed your path yet? Uh, no. Um, you know, the you in the in our little document you suggested time hop which mines your twitter and facebook feeds mm-hmm. for pictures um uh, and i would throw in that thinkup does that too um think thinkup does a lot more than that but one of the things that thinkup does is tell you about things that you did in the past um time hop is very good at that that doesn't help um it doesn't mind like your whole photo library only the things you share socially mm. So, uh, I know there was yeah. I can't remember the name of this app but it won't solve the problem anyway but it was a I think it was something that looked at Dropbox and did that for you but again that's also not probably going to help in this scenario so it feels like there isn't anything maybe maybe there's an iOS app of some description that can look in your photos library I don't know I don't know and I don't think you can set up a smart album to be you know show me everything that happened on today's date I don't think it works that way. I don't think the smart albums feature lets you select, you know, it, it wants you to have very specific days, not like a rolling selection of a year ago today or whatever. It's a good question. Um, I think time hop is a great suggestion. If you've got photos that you shared, time hop is great. It will, it will tell you what your tweets and Facebook posts of the past on this day are. And it's an app and there's also an email. I like it. Yeah, but it's, Unfortunately, it's not all prob- your stuff, though. Yeah, because maybe no. some most of the stuff you want to remember is the stuff you don't share, right? The real yep. personal could moments. Be. It's surprise, not surprises me, but this feels like something Apple could do, and it feels like an Apple-y feature, right? If, it's bringing also, the personality into the photos. If the scripting support were better, and maybe it can get better, because they often will improve the scripting support. Um, there is some at launch, but there there could be more. If they made the scripting support better, then you could have an app that, you know, basically poked your photos library and said, you know, look at this date in the past here and then did something and, you know, put together a slideshow or something like that. Um, But right now there's nothing like that. Sorry, Adam. Uh, Jonathan has asked, would it be helpful for the watch to have a network connectivity complication? Now, I had to go back and forth with Jonathan a little bit on this to try and understand what he was asking because I was saying, well, you know, if the watch can't connect to anything, it shows that little Ah. red... Uh, thing with the cross through it, right? But he's saying, mm-hmm. well, sometimes, it's right, sometimes the watch is connected to the phone, but the watch doesn't know that the phone has no service. Ah. Uh, I've seen this. Um, so I think m- my feeling on this is, yes, in theory, it would be good to know, but I think the watch just doesn't know. So even having the complication is not going to help because I just think sometimes the watch doesn't know it's not connected to the internet. It's, it, it sounds to me like what really should happen here is that the phone should be passing whatever it passes to say um, we're not on the internet, we're not connected to the watch for that same that same notification. Like, there's a comment, or, or a different one, or a different icon. But I feel like a complication is too much. I, I feel like they've got that little alert spot in the top of the watch face where you'll see a red dot if there's a notification, or you'll see an alert if there's... Uh, or a little uh, airplane, if you're in airplane or mode. Or a little... 
or the little uh like is it an hourglass or something it's the or or a moon when you're when it's do not disturb right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a moon yes a moon so so i could see it i could see it there um just uh, you know or or continuing the existing warning note it seems really fiddly to have something more complicated than that. It seems it seems would seem to me better that the iPhone is more aware. Like I don't have service right now. I'm not on Wi-Fi. I don't have cellular service, and would just tell the watch. You know, it's one of those times where we're having connectivity problems. It's a good question, though. I've I've not experienced this situation, but um, I I I think that that would be the right way to do it. Right? It's just the phone knows whether it's connected or not. So the phone should share that information as appropriate with the watch and the watch should be able to adjust accordingly. Uh, Rob has asked, could we see an option in settings to allow the watch to stay on longer than a few seconds, battery permitting? This is something that we think we're going to, that we will see. Uh, I don't see it happening because, you know, if you increased it, like if you increased it by a quarter of the amount of time or twice the amount of time, you were probably decreasing the battery life by a quarter mm-hmm. or a half. Uh, and they're just not going to do that. I mean, I have to say, right, we've now, you know, I've had this watch for a couple of weeks now. I'm happy to say that. I really like it. Uh, and my battery life, I mean, sometimes I get to the end of my day, and my days can be quite long, um, and I'm at 50%, like, quite yep. frequently. So, you know, I wonder, maybe give me an extra couple of seconds, but I think an extra couple of seconds is not going to make much of a difference. I feel like it would probably need to be, like, twice the amount of time and then at that point, you're cutting the battery life in half, and I don't want to do that. It's a trade-off, and I think I, I, looking at what looking at what's at hand, I think Apple just made what they consider to be the best trade-off. I think so. My my prediction is going to be Apple's going to loosen up a little bit on the battery life moving forward because I feel like Apple was terrified of being dinged for having not being able to get through a day. Sure. Sure. And maybe there are people out there who are using this thing, or or maybe this is in, in anticipation of having more native apps come down the road. But right now, I feel like they overshot. And and again, other people may have different experiences, but everybody I've talked to, and certainly my personal experience, is I don't run out of battery on the phone or on the watch. It's not even close. And so, yeah, could they, as an option or even as a default, stretch it a little bit? Um, put a little, you know, let that, let that, uh, uh, watch face stay on a little bit longer before it decides to shut off because I do get annoyed that it's you know oh it's already off no 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 I I I no come back right I I wanted you to come back why why did you just turn off right there they could tweak that a little bit N- seeing it out in the world and and realizing that maybe they overshot maybe they could tune it a little bit more either as an option or just as the default so it wouldn't surprise me because I feel like everybody's basically saying hey it lasts through, it lasts through the day no problem. Then again, they may be saving up all that battery life because they know there's going to be a, you know, a, a wave of native watch apps down the road that's going to make it more, you know, more power use in the device and and uh, drain that battery faster. I don't know. I wonder, right? If if the pulling for, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But when I open Overcast and in Overcast, like the watch is sending a, a thing to the to the phone to try and get data uh-huh. and they're exchanging stuff back that seems to me like a battery draining process that it just yeah. feels like all that data being passed backwards and forwards um every time i open the app it feels like there's going to be a lot going on there um so you know i, I wonder i wonder what's going to happen with with the battery life i mean i guess different things are going to affect it differently but it it, it might still be okay it might be but i do feel i do feel like it's possible that there'll either be a, a setting here to Keep the screen on a little bit longer, or that they might even tweak it themselves. Because um, 
if my impression is correct, watch battery life has not been a problem. And, uh, you know, and, and I would, I would definitely set the time out a little higher than it's set right now in my own personal life, because I don't, I've never come close to running the battery down. And I have had on several occasions been frustrated that it went to sleep a little bit too fast. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree with that. We'll we'll see, but it would not, it would, honestly, I think it's more likely that, that Apple would just tweak this than it would be an option in settings only because Apple likes to avoid adding fiddly options in settings, but it's possible. So this last, uh, this last ask upgrade for this week comes from uh, Lex, not that Lex, uh, not Lex. that Lex. Um, Lex, and Lex wants to know how do you treat your Mac docs? For example, screen location. What are the apps you keeping them? What are the folders? That kind of thing. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I will talk about like my MacBook Pro, which I consider to be my Mac. Right, I don't. The Mac Pro is like this dingy over there doing its production mm-hmm. stuff. So I don't really have it set up the way I would. Uh, so I have uh, my uh, my menu bar, my menu, my dock is on the left. Um, Where's your menu bar? Is it on the top? My menu bar is on the top uh, today. Nice. Sometimes I move it to the bottom, you know, like just, just to mix it up. I don't recommend that. Uh, today, my dock is on the left. Um, I have it down. Are those are those, are those pop up menus, drop up menus when it's on the bottom? They what are, do you call those menus? They are pop drop up, up, pop up, pop up menus, pop okay. up menus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. I have. So- uh, naturally, Finder. I have the App Store there. Not 100% sure why, looking at that, why I have it there, but it's there. Uh, I have Chrome, System Preferences, Mailbox, Messages, Tweetbot, Lingo, which is my IRC app, Slack, OmniFocus, Clear, Skype, Evernote, Byword, and Spotify. I then have a Downloads folder, uh, which is in the grid configuration and displayed as a stack. And then I have naturally the recycle bin or trash. I guess as it I too have my menu bar at the top. Oh, my yeah, that's where I like Trend it. Trendsetter, it's traditional. It's well, it's you know, I've been using the Mac a long time. You, you know, the original Mac had the menu bar at the top, so I like to keep it you get there. stuck in your ways. You know, yeah. Um, the uh, in my dock, I have my dock pinned to the right. I'm one of those people. Hmm. Uh, Finder, BB Edit. Safari, Mailplane, iTunes, Messages, Twitter, Photos, because I'm writing a book about photos. I'm done. I wrote the book. They're producing it now. It'll be out soon. Reminders. Um, and then below that is stuff that's o- that's open. So right now, Skype, Lingo, and uh, Slack. One of these days, I, I will probably make Slack a permanent. In fact, I'm going to make Slack a permanent resident now. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to put it right next to Twitter there. And then below that, I've got documents, downloads, and Dropbox folders all uh, all listed. Just, I have a question of my own, but a really good question in the chat room from Rafola. How does the dock on the right affect nof- Notification Center? What happens? Does it just push everything well, over? Like- well, in, in Yosemite, Notification Center doesn't push anything. It just slides over. So when, sure. when you activate Notification Center, it slides over the dock as well as everything else that's over on the okay. on that side. Um I was gonna ask Mailplane. Mailplane. Not, not mailbox. No, I'm using Mailplane. Um you know I I so I wrote the article about like alternatives to Apple Mail and um I said, well I think mailbox is my favorite of all of the ones that are um 
that are sort of like general of general use. But I I use Gmail, um, and so I use Mailplane, uh, and I I've been sticking with it. It's uh, Mailplane is a wrapper around Gmail that makes it more Mac-like. You can drag in stuff, and it's got Mac keyboard shortcuts, and it's just a little more Mac-friendly interface on the Gmail web interface. And I'm finding myself just using it all the time. I've sort of not gone back to Apple Mail. Um, And Mailbox, uh, I really like the organizational features of it. I feel like the Mac version of Mailbox is, you know... It's finickety, but it is a beta. (sighs) It is a beta. Will it ever be a final? I really I like know. features. Of, I really like features of it, but I also get frustrated by some of the other features of it. And I, um, since I'm using just Gmail at this point on my own domain, but it's still just Gmail. That's what I'm using. I, I uh, you know, I go back and forth. I try other stuff, but I, I find that right now I'm spending more time using uh, Mailplane than anything else for for email. I mean, you can just use a web browser too, but I like Mailplane because it adds some Mac-y stuff yeah. and runs in its own app. And you can set it as the default mail app. And so if you click a mail link, it opens a new you know, Gmail mail window. That's really nice to, to have all of that. It always interests me when people use Mailbox on one device, but not on all devices. Yeah, yeah and I am still using Mailbox on my on my iPhone. Yeah. Um, and I like it there. I like I, I like the you know swipe to classify. That's the thing is that all of the classifications of mailbox are just folders in Gmail, labels sure. in Gmail. So I have access to all that same stuff. What I'm not using as much is the you know snooze features. Yeah. Um, because they don't they don't really work. I'm also on, a big uh, fan of the reordering. Gmail. Right. Right. I I don't do a lot of that. Yeah. But um, it's one of those things. That I wish I wish the mailbox version on the Mac was was a little more uh stable and had a little more um attention given to it because I really like it. But you know, it, it's mail plane for me because I'm in Gmail all the time is uh and I'm I'm you know I'm kinda used to the interface. I, I do like it. It uh, like mailbox on the Mac it, it does weird things and whenever they release a new update for the beta it fixes the weird things but introduces more equally weird things. Like at the moment I, I have it in full screen, right? If I open a new email um, previously, it used to just put that uh, the compose window over the top of the full screen window, right? It just kept it within the application. But now it opens a separate full screen window, which is just the worst. It's huh. just the worst possible thing to do. And like, also, if I open the preferences, it opens another full screen window uh, with black around it, and it doesn't have a close button. Like, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, and I emailed them about it, and they were like, "Thanks for the feedback." And it's like that was not the response, <laughs> but okay. He's <laughs> like, "Bug report." Like, thank you. It's like, okay, buddies. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 too bad because um, I like so many things about it, and then there are things that are just super weird, and I feel like, you know, come on, you're a ma- come on, you're a male client. Wait, come what? On. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Wait. What? Come so yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Right. It's time for Mike at the movies. Okay. So we're we're releasing you. Um if you don't want to hear Mike talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can leave now. It's okay. Um but before you leave, there's yes. something Mike needs to tell you. It's very important before you leave that you stay for to listen to me talk about go to meeting from Citrix because they can do awesome things for you. If you think about all of the time, the money, and the hassle it can take to hold a meeting, 
these things can be atrocious. Like I used to be in a big company um, and we used to hold lots of meetings. And if I used to think about, like I went to Scotland for a meeting once. I got on a plane to fly to Scotland for a meeting. That's insanity. And the main reason is because they didn't want to do it on on a call. They wanted to see me. Well, if we were to just use GoToMeeting, they could have seen me because you can turn on your webcam and with HD quality, you can talk to each other. Like, GoToMeeting can... It's not just a money saver, it's also a hassle saver. Like, if you think about having to... Say you've got four meetings in a day, right? Rather than traveling from place to place to place or even from, like, different floors in the buildings and, and, like, disrupting yourself and you forget your notebook because you left it on your desk. I used to do that all the time. GoToMeeting can take all of that stuff away from you. It is the best way to meet with clients and coworkers online. It's just a smarter way to meet. You can do it from any computer, any tablet, any smartphone. You don't have to worry about travel expenses, like I mentioned. You know, you don't have to worry about traffic. GoToMeeting can take that away from you. You you can uh, join a meeting. Uh, anyone in your team can join a meeting by just clicking a link. You don't need any signups. They make it as easy as possible for people to join. You can even share screens to present, review, and get feedback all in real time. Because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing so your team can get on the same page and just get going. I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it for free for 30 days with nothing to lose. Go to uh, go to meeting.com. So visit go to meeting.com and click the try it free button. If you do it now, you'll have your first meeting up and running in just minutes. So that's go to meeting.com for your free 30 day trial. Thank you so much to Citrix Go to Meeting for supporting this week's episode of Upgrade and Mike at, Mike at the, the movies. movies. Okay, Mo- so Mike at the movies. We're going to the movies with Mike. What did Mike see this time? It's Raiders of the Lost. I can't do it. I can't be Elliot Kalen singing the. Uh, it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is not its title, but it's how it's marketed now. It's just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, so this was Steven one of Spielberg. This was one of the things that I noticed originally. It was it was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then when I yes. searched on IMDb to find some names of the characters for my notes, it took me a moment to find it. Uh, because I was looking for Indiana Jones and it wasn't coming up, and then realized that oh, it's it was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders Art, of the Lost Ark. Because nobody cared about Indiana Jones before the movie came out, right? Like, indeed. Why would you care? Oh, Indiana Jones! I haven't heard of that guy before. I'm gonna love that movie. Yeah. Um, and they probably, I'm gonna assume, didn't know that it was gonna be a franchise, right? Because. Well, I mean, I th- I'm sure I'm sure they hoped. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is this is Steven Spielberg and George Lucas at the you know I don't know about the height of Steven Spielberg's career because he he went on to you know have this amazing career after this, but this was like at the height of their fame as these young uh, producers and directors who had made these giant blockbuster films, and they d- decided to collaborate on Raiders of the Lost Ark, and everybody went crazy like, oh my god, it's the next big thing. So I imagine they thought it would be and a big franchise. Han Solo and starring Han Solo, exactly right. Who was, I think, reluctant? Harrison Ford was initially reluctant to be in this movie because he felt it was too similar to to uh, to Han Solo, but he did it. So before, I kind of before going in, Tom Selleck was going to be Indiana Jones, by the way, but he no. couldn't. He couldn't do it because of Magnum PI. Yeah, yeah. I know what a world. There's a parallel universe out there where Tom Selleck was Raiders in Raiders: of The Lost Ark. I can imagine that. Like, I mean, I'll talk yeah, about the character in general in a minute, like as I go through. But I can imagine Tom Selleck also fitting that role. Like yeah. in, in my mind, I get that. Um. Okay. So, 
before I watched this movie, there were a couple of things that I knew about Indiana Jones. Right? Um, okay. I knew the character. Right? I knew, you know, I know of, I know Indiana Jones as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I know about... <laughs> Good start. I know, yeah, I know about the boulder. Right? I know about the face melting, and I know about sl- sliding under a closing door. You know about... About what? The face melting. What was the first one? The boulder. Oh, the boulder. Okay, yes. I, I, you know, I almost heard. I know about Ebola. <laughs> That's not really relevant to this at all. The boulder. The boulder. The roll giant rolling boulder. Uh-huh. Got it. Didn't you get the Ebola subplot of Raiders of the Lost Ark? I missed the subtext there. So I'm gonna go through and uh, as I do and and talk through my notes. I I do very much enjoy doing this, but it is very peculiar. I mean, I'm sure you feel sort of time to to watch a movie and take notes on the movie because I don't know how you do this, but I pause the movie and make some notes and start again. Do you do that when you take notes in movies? Uh, no, because it's generally no. I just generally just keep taking the notes. Hmm. So if something really amazing happens immediately after something other amazing and noteworthy, then I might miss it. And in which case I would back it up, I suppose. Yeah, because I felt that sometimes I lose, I, like it's like 20 minutes later and I don't know what's happening. It's because I realize I lost 30 seconds, but those 30 seconds, something really important happened in them. Like that's happened to me. So that's why I pause. Um, so I don't end up with more confusion later. Um, so yeah, the, my first note is I was, you know, uh, noting Indiana Jones. There is no Indiana Jones in the title. Uh, and this is uh, my next note that I have here is something that I feel is pretty, um, pretty a pretty consistent feeling that you're going to hear me mention quite a bit. That uh, whilst I think a whip is super cool, I don't think it's probably the most effective weapon in any instance that he uses it. Well, it's 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 tool. I think it's not his only tool. It is kind of his trademark, but it's not his only tool. And sure. I don't know, archaeologist, you're. You're getting in and out of scrapes in funny areas, and and it, it, it obviously it's quite versatile with what he does with it. He's very good at the whip. Yeah, but, yes. th- that's my thing, though. It's like I don't think anybody could be that good. Well, it, this is a little like uh, when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, and somebody says, "I'm going to do something with rope," right? <laughs> it's like rope doesn't sure. do that. You could sure you could try to do that. That's what do you think this rope is? This magic rope because rope rope is very limited in its utility, and I think whips are similarly limited. You know, it's like any any time a grappling hook is used to cross a cavern in any movie, grappling hooks do not do that in the one go. Like I, I saw Star Wars, I watched Star Wars this weekend, and mm. you know when uh, when Luke and Leia are going across that cavern, you know, in the in the Death Star, and he like yeah. throws up this this grappling hook from his Batman utility belt, which apparently yeah. Luke had for the rest of the movie that nobody bothered to mention. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where. It's never explained. I it's need like... to cross caverns sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, he uses that and he throws it up there and in one it, like, goes around and hooks on perfectly. Yeah, amazing. Yep. <laughs> Just what you need for that in case in case you are trapped in a place where people work that has giant bottomless pits. It's, you know, Just these things fun. happen. Workplace yeah. hazards, you know? Anyway, but this isn't about Star Wars. No. Um, I found the beginning of this movie to be very mysterious. Like, hmm. there's no explanation uh, to oh. what is happening, right? You're just in, in the jungle. Right. And also, like, something that I found really interesting, and I wonder how people uh, took to this uh, when it first came out. Because Indy is in this first scene, right, when they're going after the idol. There is no kind of clear... Uh, explanation of as to whether this character is a good guy or a bad guy. 
Well, in fact, he if you if you uh, if you look, you'll see that um, he's in shadow at the beginning, and yeah. his back is turned to the camera, and we don't we don't actually see his face for a long time. Nope. Um, it, it's uh, it's it, he he's mysterious at the beginning because then it's like the people that look like they're up to no good and they have accents, right? Um, and and it's like, and then he's siding with these people, and it's like, is this a good person or a bad person? I can see how that you know hmm. people might have, have thought that because I was when he I was is watching the star it, of the movie, so you know, yeah, but you didn't necessarily. Well, okay, I mean, you you if you knew Harrison Ford, right? But I mean, this is assuming knowledge of it. But anyway, doesn't yeah. mean he's a good guy. Uh, then you know we go through the whole scene uh, with who with Alfred Molina, who may be my favorite character in this movie. I think okay. he is amazing. <laughs> He's just so great. Uh, all of his terror, everything, uh, yeah. is just brilliant. Uh, and they, they go and grab this the idol, and so much of what I knew about Indiana Jones happens in this sequence, in that opening sequence, yeah. Which is something that I found really interesting. I didn't expect to get both the boulder and the sliding under the door in the same movie, let alone mm. in the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like the uh, put replacing the idol with a bag of sand. All of these things have been played out so many times, but like watching them here, it's always difficult when you're watching a movie like like this, uh, having seen a bunch of movies that like use things that are probably. Uh, unique to this movie, like later, mm. that become tropes because in you, yes. when you watch them, you have less appreciation. I think so. I, I try and leave those things at the door and appreciate the movie for what it is, but it is very difficult when you have all this like retroactive knowledge about the film before right. you even. Although seen the it. film, the film is itself a uh, you know it's it's an homage to adventure serials, just as Star Wars is really mm-hmm. to adventure serials of the fifties, I guess, and and before. So it, it's not, you know, it's a respinning of some old tropes into things that were then became so influential that you saw them again afterward because of this. And then again, another uh, consistent theme along with the the whip is how gory this movie is. Hmm. Surprised me. Well, there there are yeah. So so Zapito um, uh, takes the takes the idol and doesn't give back the whip. But he is not careful and gets impaled by the spikes, just as uh, Forstall, uh, Forstall, not Scott Forstall, but Forstall <laughs> bought it here earlier, and they find his skeleton, and then and then as Indiana goes under the with his whip and goes under the the little dropping down door, which is dropping for a very long time, uh, it, he uh, he finds Alfred Molina impaled uh, likewise on the spikes, and says adios, Zapito, and takes the takes the idol and and then runs away. Um that that's a pretty gory moment just just then, right? Yeah. And then later there's the face melting and things that happen mm-hmm. at the end. It's not it's not there's not quite so much in the middle, but um oh well, other than things involving airplanes airplane propellers in the desert. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'll I, give it to you. I've noted down more gory parts yeah. which I'll get to. It's the gory details is what you're saying. Indeed. Uh, then of course we have the boulder, right? Which th- th- this is such a huge action moment to put at the start of a movie, uh, because it is so uh, insane, right? This huge boulder chasing you, and you're trying to escape from it. Lots of danger, lots of excitement, and and this like real like rise of of of, of action right at the start of the movie reminds me of a James Bond film. Um, he's going on this little adventure, which that's sets up definitely, the character. That's definitely. 
the model here. It's, uh, James Bond is absolutely one of the models for Indiana Jones and for this movie. It's, you know, the, the, the flavor is a little different, but it's definitely one of the models. And then also it's that cliffhanger feel of a serial, of a movie serial, where you're coming in at the end of his adventure and seeing, you know, how will he escape the rolling boulder and you back up and sort of see the, 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 the action that came before and now we'll see the resolution. And they're, they're trying to give you that feeling too. But that's the same thing that James Bond does. It's the exact same thing. You're, you're usually in those James Bond movies, you're catching up on something that isn't related to the movie. And it's just sort of like, here's what happened in this off-screen adventure that James Bond had and now we're getting the resolution of it but it's definitely very Bond-like uh, like Indiana Jones I'm also scared of snakes right because he has the snake that's in the plane which also made me laugh because there was a snake on the plane which made me smile mm. uh, uh, so little, little did I know at this point that I was not set up for a good a good ride here there were going to be a lot more snakes uh, as the movie <laughs> progresses yes that, that is a uh, they're setting up his fear of snakes for later payoff and then we have, in a row here, we have two in a row massive shocks to me about this movie. Shock number one is that Indiana Jones is a professor. Yes. <laughs> I did not know this, and Doctor I was extremely surprised. Because at first I thought, oh, like, that's a surprise. He must have retired, right? <laughs> and now he is a professor and he is going to be called back into action. But no, he is a professor who, as part of his professor duties, goes on massive adventures, right? Which I love the thought that, like, there are archaeologists that are teaching archaeologists who are sent by the museum, whatever that is, the museum, uh, to go out into the world and steal things. I love the university the, museum. The I university guess. museum that we must protect. Uh, I also really loved... Uh, in as 80s movies will be... This is, an 80, when, this is in the 80s? Yeah, it's 1981, I want to say. Okay, great. Uh, in a great 80s yeah. movie fashion, all of the girls are in love with him uh, in, in oh, the yes. class, to the point where I really, really enjoyed the love you written on that one girl's on, on eyelids. Her eyelids. Genius. Yeah. But... And the, and the guy puts the um, the male student puts the, the apple, apple on, on the, on the yeah. desk too. I love that. So everybody loves Doctor Jones. But I have to say, Harrison Ford in this movie is an extremely handsome man. Like there oh, are points yeah. in this movie where I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> look at you! <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He, no, it, actually, it's quite a shock, right? We've seen him all scruffy in uh, in the jungle. And then you cut to him uh, writing on the chalkboard, and you're like, whoa, 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 what just <laughs> what happened, <everybody>? right? <laughs> yeah. Cleans up. He cleans up kind of nice, and that's how we how we meet uh, Dr. Jones in his element for the first time. And I do, you know, now I feel, having seen these movies, that Indiana Jones is more attractive than Han Solo. Oh, yeah, opinion. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So. He's just a scruffy-looking nerf herder. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. The next huge surprise for me that I was not expecting was the Nazis. I didn't know that the Nazis were going to be in this movie. 1936 did not set off any alarm bells. Uh, I just didn't expect it. I was very surprised that my now I know him as an archaeology professor is going to be fighting the Nazis in this movie. Um and you know this ties into these two points tying to archaeologists are cool. You know? Archaeologists are how many archaeology careers were launched with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't know, but it's it, it, and it's a nice. I mean, it's not he he ends up fighting the Nazis, right? But it's really about that the Nazis and the Nazis are after a 
a uh, an archaeological item and the US government says we you know we don't want him to get this item and so Indiana Jones is on the case at that point so it's sort of like who's going to get the item who's going to get the ark of the covenant and then the you know the globe trotting adventure begins and the nazis are you know pre-war nazi germany are the villains which is it's interesting so there're no open hostilities he can move you know around the world but it's very clear that they're you know the 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 nazis and hitler are not uh it's not going to go well right so yep. so they're good they're good villains to have at that point Hitler is mentioned so much in this movie. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for him to make an appearance. Yeah, he he appears in the Last Crusade. Okay, in a jokey, in a jokey scene that I don't really enjoy, but is it's funny. It's it's so broad that I don't. One my, one of my criticisms of the Last Crusade, which is a very good movie, um, it's not a Raiders level, but it, it's a good movie. It's the other good movie in the series, I would say. That's gonna make some people sad, but. Um, but it, it, the Nazis are much more slapstick villains in that, whereas they feel really menacing here, for the most part. Yeah, there is a lot of slapstick in this movie. Yeah, Hitler Hitler signs an autograph for somebody in Last Crusade. It's not anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then we have uh, we we discover Marion, right? Marion, yeah. Um, Marion Ravenwood. She's Karen drinking Allen. an awful lot of alcohol. She's having. She is. She's drinking, drinking the other t- uh, Nepalese or wherever they are t- Tibetans are under the table. She recovers extremely fast from the amount of alcohol that she consumed as India she, arrives. She's really good at holding her liquor. Is yep. the lesson we've learned about Marion. And then you know, so then, so in, you know, basically, India is on his quest now to find uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, mm-hmm. which is what the Ten Commandments were expected to be uh, stowed into. There is right. a whole, you know, we set up the idea of there could be magic within here at this point. Yeah, let me, um, let me pause you just to say, and we talked about this on the Incomparable episode about Raiders, I think it's actually kind of a masterful scene, the exposition scene that happens where they're like in the auditorium at the college and it's and it's uh, Indy and his mentor and the two guys from the from the uh, the government. Um, and uh, they explain all this stuff about the Ark oh. of the Covenant and all that, and that that is yeah. the maybe my favorite exposition scene in any film because it's so dramatic and interesting, and yet it really is like a guy on, at a chalkboard explaining the Bible. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is, it doesn't feel like—I mean, it is exposition. It doesn't have the exposition feeling to yeah. it. That's like, why it's so good. Yeah, it, it is being explained to these two people because these two people clearly don't understand what they're dealing with, and. It works. It it works. I agree with you. I I didn't realize until now how well that scene actually worked because it kind of I just took it in as information that I needed. Um. So India has arrived and he has asked for uh. It's like an amulet of the headpiece of the staff of Ra, which is like on a on a a necklace Mm -hmm. in 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 Nepal. His his old mentor uh, Abner is dead, but his his daughter and Indy's ex girlfriend, uh, Marion, is Mm -hmm. is running this running this bar. And she she says uh, she knows where it is. Come back tomorrow. And then some evil German accents appear. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, you know the 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 most evil that you could imagine a German accent to be. Like it's not just a German accent. There's also like a weirdness to the voice. Like you know. Oh yeah, well it's uh, it's almost like a Peter Lorre kind of thing where it's. Yeah. Uh, I think what Tote says the 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 Nazi in question is she's like gonna get a drink for you and your men when she realizes they're gonna be threatening her and he says we are not thirsty and it, <laughs> it's like oh fire, my god your fire is, is dying is dying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so creepy. Yeah. He's a bad guy. Suffice it to say, that's a bad guy. Not only is he wearing all black, and then later in the movie where he gets like the nunchucks coat hanger. Like, what is that thing about? (laughs) That's a pretty good gag, though. Oh my god, what's he going to do with that? Oh, he's just hanging up his coat. So this is another point. Again, whilst it's cool, using a whip to grab a hot poker whilst it's in inches from somebody's face, I think bad idea. I yeah. think that that well, is a poor choice. The tools that are available at the time, I he would say. He has a gun because <laughs> he gets it out next. But he wants, to pull the, he wants to pull the poker away so it doesn't burn Marion. I think that... There's he could have just easily like just whipped her in the face at that yeah. point, <laughs> or whipped like, it forward into her face. That's what right? I expect. Right? The the, the force good. of the whip hitting the poker would have hit her in the face. Indiana like, Jones you know. is that good. <laughs> it appears so, wouldn't it? Um, so this is where a a, a lot of gore is occurring. Um, in that there is a gunfight, right? Um, that happens in the the bar, and there is an incredible amount of blood here. There are lots of people on fire, uh, and it, mm-hmm. it's just surprising to me. Like, there's one point where uh, someone gets shot in the head, and yeah, it's not like what you usually see in a movie. The guy gets shot in the head. You see a gunshot wound immediately appear on his head. It doesn't move. He just falls forward, which is actually, I believe, after watching Mythbusters, what actually does happen. Like, you don't mm. fly across the room. When you get shot, sure, right. You just stop where you are and fall down, and it's real enough looking that it was uh, very surprising to me. There's lots of people with blood pouring out of their mouths after they're shot in the back. Well, yeah, you, and... you get you get the thing where Indy, Indy thinks he's been shot by the guy, but it turns out that that uh, the guy has been shot, and his yep. his mouth opens and blood pours out, and he falls mm-hmm. down. Yeah, so it was you know, it's not a complaint. It was just surprising. I was surprised by it. I don't know uh, what rating this movie was, well, but. It's... I and the US, the U.S. rating is PG. Yeah, see, that surprises me. Um, I feel like that you couldn't do this now and still it get would be a PG. A, it would be a PG-13 now. Yeah, that that's what I right. In fact, the second movie in this series is what essentially created the PG-13 rating because it's even more, far more brutal. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Thompson in the chat room says, uh, I saw this film when I was eight and it did traumatize me a bit. <laughs> uh-huh. So there you go. Um, I then, my notes jump quite significantly here. So uh, I, I'm now straight at the point where they're having the chase in in the the desert town. I can't okay. remember where they are. So so I, I the, the, the what happens is that uh, uh, Toad tries to grab the medallion uh, it, but it's it's been in the fire, so it's burning hot, and so he screams and jumps out and puts his hand in the in the snow. Yeah, I don't know why uh, he jumps out the window. Like <laughs> he just runs out the in, door, man. Yeah, yeah, he just runs out the window. He's <laughs> he's driven mad. Um, the thing's burning down. Uh, Karen Allen picks up the thing with a with a cloth and says to to Indy that she's coming with him because they're partners and we follow the little you know the airplane on the map montage mm-hmm. which we saw to get to nepal now leaves nepal and goes to egypt where they meet up with sala who is john reese davies um and he says that the nazis are digging out in the desert because they think they've found tanis the lost city out in the desert and uh and uh so it, is it the chase which which chase are you referring to is it the first one where yeah. Where where uh, she gets uh, t- she gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So the like the next point on my notes like so uh, Marion at this point is in a basket being taken around uh, by a couple of villains, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, I, I just like the bit where, like, you know, this is a, another famous scene now that I've seen it. I know pe- I know people are referencing it. You've got the huge tall guy with throwing the sword around, right? Yeah. Getting ready for the showdown, and Indy just shoots him. Yep. <laughs> Which is the, great. The, the story is that Harrison Ford was, like, had the flu or something and was incredibly sick, and they got to the end of the day shooting that, and, and they didn't, you know, and he was like, what if I just shoot him? And <laughs> we don't do a big fight scene, and they said, "All right, let's do that." That's the uh, the story anyway. But, but it's know. a it's a it's a it's a really uh, it's a, it's a funny moment that Indy is just he doesn't he doesn't go in for that kind of showbiz stuff. He's gonna whatever I well, can just shoot you unless there's a bull whip involved. Unless there's a whip involved, yeah, he <laughs> couldn't use the whip in that situation, so he just went, whipped him went, in went the eye him. or something. He was tired. Well, one of the things that happens with Indy in this movie and and in general is that he um he gets beat up. Like I, li- yeah. I like that about him. You root for him in part because he keeps getting beat up. He gets, he's, you know, he's punched. He's bloody. He's tired. You get the sense he's really tired, <laughs> and and he wants to go lie down, but he can't because he's got to fight the Nazis instead. So you know, at this point, Marion's put into the back of a truck full of explosives. I was not and expecting it, her to be blown up. Yeah, it is um, a surprise when she's and, blown up, and it's and very I sad. I thought she was dead. Right, yeah, so. well, I mean, it, 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 the way it's edited, it's very hard to imagine how she wasn't put in the truck. But yeah. we just hear her voice and see the baskets, and it turns out she's in another basket, and not that basket, I guess. But it's it's unclear how she gets out of the truck before it explodes. Yeah. But at, at that point, Indy is essentially suicidal, so he basically goes and finds Belloc, his tormentor, and, and is like, go ahead, make my day. We'll both go. You know, we'll both die. And uh, they save they save him and talk him out of it. And uh, convince him to go out into the desert and try to uh, dig in the right place because we learn that the the Nazis are digging in the wrong place because they've copied the the headpiece from the the burn on evil German totes uh, hand, mm-hmm. and uh, the instructions on the backside of it say take away a couple of cubits, <laughs> yeah. and so they're digging in the wrong place. So they're got, they got to go. Jones has got to go to the Well of Souls and with his little stick and his little and the little headpiece and uh, and. Uh, uh, find where to dig properly to get this artifact. So a couple of points that I had leading in between these two um, uh, points that we have here. Uh, there's one where, you know, after Marion has died and Indy's sitting at a bar and he's drinking and there's a lot of close-up shots of him. And it was yeah. at that moment that I decided that Chris Pratt should be the new Indiana Jones and they should yeah. reboot it. Um, yeah, because, that might happen. Well, they've just announced Indy 5 and... By all intents and purposes, it seems like it will have Harrison Ford in it, so because hmm. um, it's Indiana Jones five. But I, I, yeah. I feel like they could start again because Chris Pratt uh, is perfect for the role, in my opinion, and looks enough like Harrison Ford. Uh, I kind of wish that Shia LaBeouf kind of wasn't his son because Chris Pratt kind of is Harrison Ford's son. Uh, you know, they they look very very similar, and I would I would quite like to see that because uh, I am a big fan of Chris Pratt. I I, I like his yep. work. I was surprised the monkey died, even though the monkey is a traitor, um, a treacherous, treacherous traitor. He's a, not, he's a Nazi monkey. Nazi monkey. Uh, even though he is a Nazi monkey, he eats the dates like a silly Nazi monkey, and uh, and then he dies. And we, you yeah. know, And then when we're up to the point that you're at, um, Harrison Ford goes down into the 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 pit, like the map room, I think the they call room, it. The map room, yeah. And he does all of his archaeological stuff. He points at things on the floor and he brushes sand away and, and he finds out, you know, where the, the correct place needs to be. Um, and then, you know, there's a hoo-ha-ha, but he ends up getting out of there. Um, and that's when Marion is alive. And, and I wrote in my notes, she's alive, because I was very excited about that and also happy. Um, yeah, but then he leaves her there. He He's going to untie her and then he realizes they'll know... 
that he's there if he if he has her helps her escape. So he says, "I'm going to leave you here," and that infuriates her quite right, rightly yep. so. And he leaves to go get his prize. That's smart, though, to me. Yeah, like, you oh, don't see is... that sort of stuff in movies. Yeah. No, it is it is smart, but I also love that it infuriates her. And yeah, it's a, it's a that's a I like that I like that moment a lot that she's uh, she's infuriated that he's going to leave her there. Um, and then there's the whole uh, basically that they're at the point now they they know where they got to go and they start digging. Um, in, in and then you know I don't know why they thought they wouldn't get caught. Uh, <laughs> getting the, they find the Ark of the Covenant right? Well, they it's a they big, ba- big desert. Yeah, but it's not it's not far from the site. Yeah. No, right. they can they can see him up there. They almost get away with it, but they don't yeah. get away with it. So they toss Indy and Marion into the uh into the 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 pit after getting the the Ark of the Covenant out. And of course, it's full of snakes down there. Ass, it's very dangerous. You go yeah, first. Yeah, there's a nice moment where Sala says, "You yes, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't like all the snakes uh in this no. bit. Uh, one of my favorite points uh, again. Th- this this enforces the the uh, craziness of using a whip. Uh, Marion burns Indy's leg, thinking that the whip was snake. Yes, <laughs> it's like see, whip is silly. Um, I do like the whip, by the way. I don't want to to get you know. I don't want to seem as anti-whip. I just think that there are times where the whip works and times where the whip doesn't work. Um, and then you know they they kind of get out, and then there's like this horrific. So basically, Indy climbs up this big statue, knocks it uh-huh. down, creates a hole in the wall, right? And then there's this horrific scene, right? Another like really, and this one out of place. Well, there's like desiccated bodies that and are that have, been, that have been buried on the other side of the wall in a. Yep. And then there's the snake that comes out of the skull. Yeah. Why does that happen? I can't get that image out of my mind. It's meant to be spooky and scary. Yeah. So then, but, but then, don't, don't pay no mind to that because the, even though this thing has been entombed for for a thousand or two thousand years, um, through that wall is where there's people buried, and then through that is like a window, and you can just crawl out, <laughs> and somehow yeah. it's remained undiscovered all of this time. But um, but <laughs> no time to think about that because it's going on a plane, and we need to get to the plane, and so there's another set piece where he where they try to hijack the plane, and there's a there's like a a uh, big Nazi who's like a bare knuckle boxer kind of guy, big bald Nazi who's trying to to fight Indy while uh, they're kind of like stuck in the in the cockpit, and there's a the gas leak and a an open flame, and you you know the, all of these things are happening at once where there's a ticking countdown, and there's a guy who's trying to kill Indy, and there's the spinning. Marion pl- is is mowing people down with a gun attached to the plane. Yeah, a lot lot, a lot going on there, and then more blood. And then the guy gets uh, chopped up in the propeller blade, which we don't see, but we see the we see him go ah, and then we see like a sound effect, and there's a like a stream of of a splatter of blood. And of course, That's when they're fighting, there's blood all over them, right? They they get sure. busted open. And, sure, because Andy's like getting beat up, which again yep. is is one of his charms is that he gets beat up. He's he's not a he's not one of these heroes who's like. I'm okay, you know, I, I'm okay. Like I fell out of a like in the Avengers, like I fell out of a four-story building, but I'm I'll walk it off. Like Captain America says in that movie, if you die, walk it off. I right? like that line Indi- by the way. Indiana Jones just gets the crap beat out of him and you feel bad cuz you know it hurts. Like he's not one of those people who he's not even tough. though yes, he does get up and he continues adventuring, you just get the sense that he he is taking damage. He is really unhappy with his predicament and I think that's charming. I think that's one well, of the things people like about Indy. 
I just said he's not tough. He's tough, right? But he's not invincible. He's a professor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I mean, and that's why we root for him is that although he's tough, um, he is getting the crap beat out of him and reacting like we would, presumably, uh, or at least like a human being would and being like really unhappy about it. And later in the movie, there's that scene where, where Karen Allen asks where it hurt, where it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and he, and he, like his elbow and his forehead. <laughs> there's very few parts that don't hurt on Indiana Jones. And his lips. And his lips. Well, that's his move. That's, that's a good his, move. That's a big move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good move. Um, there's so then also the, more blood. Uh, they're, they're then... Oh, I forgot one of my favorite chase. lines. Yeah, it's a car okay. chase. One of my favorite lines in the movie. I do not understand the delivery of this line, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and I won't be able to effectively deliver it, but I still find it funny. So they they get out of the plane or whatever, and then... What's the, what's the guy's name? Their helper, what's his name? Because Sala. Sala. Uh, so Sala finds uh, Indy and Marion in a tent, and he's like, oh... They're loading the ark onto a truck, and he's like, "What truck? Like, I don't know why he, he like truck? delivers it. Like, yeah. like there's a truck here. Like, it was very peculiar. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, "What truck? And I was like, like, "I've never seen a truck before. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. Again, again, that's one of those transition moments where what the movie's really doing is propelling you to the next set piece. So yep. he's just like, "What truck? Like, I, I must find it. <laughs> and and so then he get, then he does. And then it was a great car chase. Uh, there is, you know, one one moment in this oh, where yeah. uh, Indy is in is in the driver's seat of the truck, right? He finds his way into the truck, and again, more blood, right? He gets shot, and mm-hmm. like his arm gets shot, splatters yeah. of blood against the window. Um, which again, you don't usually see that in movies. Like they just get their arm shot. It's like, ah, my arm is shot, and you might see blood on the shirt, but like splattered blood. And then some of the craziest stunts I have ever mm-hmm. seen in a movie. I I feel like even Avengers two quotes this because um, there there there's a similar kind of thing with a, a a battle on a on a vehicle, and Captain America keeps he's on like on a truck and he and he's he's moving around because Ultron is battling him. And again, no spoilers here, but uh, I felt like that movie was even quoting this same truck chase because yeah, Indy goes out the window. Um, he gets shot. He goes out the window. He loses purchase on the on the on the hood ornament. Yeah, it's Mercedes, of course, because yeah. it's German. Um, he goes under the truck. Yeah, with his I don't whip know how they and did is, this. and is dragged along. Well, I mean, there's uh, yeah, there's a whole documentary about it. But you know, they they had a stunt man who was kind of attached, and so he's dragged along under underneath, and he's got his whip, and he then he's being dragged behind, and he pulls himself back, and then he gets into the truck that way and comes back. And it's this whole. And meanwhile, they're like, then, then, then they're slamming against other other trucks, and the trucks are careering off into like giant ravines that shouldn't be there because they're just out in the desert. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing. It's very. It's a great. It's a classic classic set piece action uh, truck chase thing where Indy is everywhere in that truck before finally um, driving it away to the secret location that's been waiting for him. That is everybody is ready to be in the in the open air market. And so he, they drive into the little thing, and the doors close, and then everybody's there, and the Nazis go, "What? But where did it go?" Yep. Then they're loaded onto a ship. Yes. Um, which is where Marion and Indy finally get to rest. And something I, I do not understand why this happens, and I, and I wonder if you, you're going to know where I'm going with this. Uh, Marion is wearing a dress, and yes. Indy tells her it's nice, and she looks in the mirror. And she flips the mirror over and it hits yeah. Indy in the face and then it goes out. To and the, he screams. But there's a thunder. It's a, there's thunder at the same time. So it masks yeah. the scream. And she's like, what was that? And he's like, Did nothing. you say something? 
But yeah. and I don't, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that. I mean, is it just? I, I I can see why they did it, right? They're like, oh, he's so beaten up, he can't catch a break. He's just getting hurt more. But it, all of it was so weird. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 kind of it's kind of wacky, and of course he falls asleep. This is their big romantic moment, and yeah, which he is points great. out where 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 she can kiss the parts that are not hurt, and he points it on his lips and all that, and then he passes out because he's exhausted. Then the Nazis, uh, the Nazis find them in the worst submarine of all time. I'll come to why yeah. that's uh, the, my verdict in a moment. They mm-hmm. they they come aboard. They get the Ark, which at this point has started to burn out of the box, right? So yep. you know there is evil magic in there. Or something. Yeah, or is it or is it good magic because it burns the uh burns the Nazi symbols off the box. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yep. God hates the Nazis, we know yep. this. Um and uh then they take the box, they take Marion, Indy hides in the submarine and then swims across the submarine <laughs> and is on gets on the roof of the submarine. Yeah. The submarine we then are treated to the submarine going across the globe, right? In a little map. Yep. And then it arrives at an island, and Indy's still on the top of the submarine. So yep. either Indiana Jones can hold his breath for days, yes, or the submarine never submerged, even yeah, though they used is, this, the periscope. This is one of the great. Well, and and they say in their movie German because it's the simplest. It's it's like high school German. Tauchen das U-Boot, which is dive the U-Boat. Um, that uh, it's uh, either either they don't dive very far. Or like, just an inch. <laughs> or I think the implication is that that there's probably a scene that we don't see, and I think it might have even been storyboarded and like in the script where he um, fights its his fights his way into the sub, and then like is on the sub in the in that little portion in the conning tower, and then and then gets out before, but yeah. it's just waved away. Like suffice it to say, Indy was fine, and he had great adventures on the submarine, and they didn't know he was there. And now he, we're at the island in the Mediterranean where this is all going to happen. It is the, it is a beautiful moment that's completely baffling. Yeah. And then again, uh, I wasn't expecting Nazis in this movie. And then when there were Nazis, I was still not expecting how much Nazi I was going to get. Like a giant Nazi base with big banners and stuff. <laughs> More swastikas than I think I've seen in any movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. they're everywhere. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. was a lot of Nazi in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um. And then they kind of they go through this thing and they end up bringing uh, the Ark to this cavern after Indy, you know, tries to, to blow it up or like he has an RPG, like a rocket right. launcher. And, he's, you and know, they're he like, you're not going to blow it up. This is this is an archaeological marvel. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> convincing, right? I, I totally bought yeah. all of that. He's not going to do it. Like he loves Marion, but he also loves archaeology. Um, And then they, you know, they, they, they basically tie them to this stick on top of a hill. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we get kind of get to the point where they open the, the yeah. There's a, they do a ritual to yep. open the ark, and 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 Belloc is dressed in in uh, like Something. in Jewish ritual garb, and the Germans don't like that. Oh, this Jewish ritual! But he's like, well, it's you know Hebrew Bible. This is what we do. Um, and Belloc is, you know, they're like, oh, the Fuhrer wants this, and Belloc is very much like, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll give it to him when I'm done with it, right? Because Belloc's always got his own plan, and they. So they open they open the ark. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything. And there's sand in it, wrong. so it's not it's not a problem. And then 
the and this is a, I think a, a bold choice for this movie and I really like it which is uh, what happens next is the wrath of God like you know if you're going to believe that there is a, a covenant of the lost ark or lost ark of the covenant I mean and there's the ten commandments and all that is real then at that point you need to believe that the Hebrew Bible God is real and um, he in this movie he is and he's really pissed off at the Nazis and he and so he these angels or demons or whatever they are they you know appear and uh, Shoot everybody holes in everybody <laughs> all the nazis die horribly yep but it, but but um indy tells mary to close her eyes and so they're unaffected i don't know why that is what helps but closing know. your eyes apparently is all you need to do well like looking on the face of god i think is the idea it's like it's too much and it, and it and it's going to destroy you plus the all the nazis are are bad i guess and so you know they're going to get wiped out I don't think there was like wonder wonder if there's like one Nazi soldier who really didn't want to be there and hated everything and was thinking of defecting, and uh, and uh, he did he maybe he got spared. He had something in his eye. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So all the Nazis die and and Indy and Marion are 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 uh, are safe. Um, the Ark is sealed again, and uh, and then that's it. They we cut to Washington D.C where the the FBI men are told we're putting it in someplace safe where it's going to be looked after by by top men to which Indy says who because Indy knows all the top men who would be looking at it and they just say top men and cut to a w- giant government warehouse where the ark has been put in a box and is being filed with millions of other boxes just like it in this huge warehouse never to be seen again yep. the end yep uh i like that you know that it's just this this big uh this big box like this big sort of storage facility with a bunch of boxes, uh, you know, I, I like that. I like that a lot because it's just like, oh, there's all this stuff that happens that you don't know James, about. James Thompson says it's basically Costco. Yep. The Ark of the Covenant may be in Costco. Um, there was a lot of for me of unexpected. Oh, we missed, you know, face melting and head explosions. Of course, that that happens uh, with the the wrath of God. Um, that's what that that happens there. Uh. There were a lot of unexpected things in this movie. Like that seemed to be like a running thing for me. There were just lots of things that happened that I didn't expect to happen. They did happen. Um, not, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just something, and it was interesting to me considering that I felt like I knew this movie. Um, how many, how many things in it surprised me? Uh, even just the way it was made. So, did you like it? They do not make movies like this anymore, Jason Snow. Um, <laughs> That's true. Did you like it? I did like it. Oh, good. So. I think of all of the films, so this is like the third, right? So I say all of, but the three film films that I've watched the most, this is the one I have liked the most, but also the one that hmm. I had the most problems with. But I think that those two things go hand in hand, and not and problems it's like quibbles because I think you know, Real Genius and uh, Princess Bride. They were very easy, and Spinal Tap. They're very easygoing movies, and I liked them a lot. Uh, but I, I, I appreciated them for what they were. I didn't look at them like I did of Indiana Jones, being like, maybe this is one of the best movies ever made. Like, I didn't think that that wasn't what I was thinking as I was watching the others. So yeah. when I, when I have that, when I put it at that level, when things happen in it that I find are strange, they kind of stick out to me more in my brain as weird things that are happening. Uh, but this is such an incredible movie. It's so, it's just so good. And like, I, I was thinking, you know, when I thought to myself, they don't make movies like this anymore. I was thinking, what movies can I think of that are like this? 
Um, and I think maybe the one that is most like it most recently for me is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's Space Indiana Jones sort of. Yeah, I felt. And that. Chris Pratt in that is also like this. Space Indiana like, Jones. He's not a he's not a super, you know, superhero kind of guy, right? He's just a regular guy who's doing super things and has issues and all of that. That is sort of like just like how. Uh, Indy is, you know, he he gets beat up and he's got problems and all of that. You know, this is, um, Steven Spielberg is considered probably one of the greatest directors in, in, in history, certainly Hollywood directors, right? Um, I don't know whether he's in the top five or the top 20 or whatever. I would argue that this may be his best film. And, and that, and that I think that just because it's an adventure movie and all of that, I think you need to take a you don't have to take it seriously, but I think it is as a piece of filmmaking. It is staggering. It is the imagery in it, the shadows throughout, the lighting are are. Spe- he uses shadows to tell so many parts of the story. I've seen this movie like fifty times. I think the script is fantastic. It's Lawrence Kasdan. Um, the the uh, the direction is great, and this is this is I think what happens when you have a world class set of talent working on a film and taking it completely seriously, even though it is in this genre, an action-adventure genre. This is when you get a, a work like this. That is, you know, are there better, more serious movies? Sure. But in terms of, including ones that Spielberg has made, but in terms of the whole package and the fact that the, that this much attention was brought to bear on a movie like this, yeah, it, it, is, it is absolutely one of my all-time top five maybe top two, three, something like that, films. And, um, you know, I think we're really privileged to have a director like Steven Spielberg make a movie like this because um, he brings his A-game to this one. I think more than he did in some of the other, uh, you know, big tentpole action-adventure spectaculars that he made in the future. I think this one is the... It's just, I think it's a great work of art. I actually also think it's very personal, and that's one of the reasons why it's so great is the reason there are all these Nazis in it is it is the... You know, it's the Jewish kid saying, you know, giving giving the middle finger to the Nazis. And, you know, later he made a much more serious meditation on the Holocaust with uh, with Schindler's List. But, you know, here he's he's, uh, you know, he's he's sticking it to the Nazis. And that, and that that is motivating Spielberg in making the movie, too. So it's it's yeah, it's it, I think I'm glad you liked it. I do think it is um, a, a spectacular film achievement that just because it's a silly adventure movie, you know, it can't it can't be discounted as just being an amazing work of art on top of that. Like I can't remember the exact moment, but it was about 20 minutes in and I was like, oh, this is really special. Um, yeah. And and I I look forward to watching it again. Uh, because when I watch it again, all of the things that that surprised me and I found peculiar, I won't find surprising or peculiar anymore. Um, and I think it was just because, and I think it was, I felt like I knew the movie going into the movie, but it actually turned out I didn't. Um, so when things happened in it that surprised me, they were genuine surprises, and it kind of it, it shook what I thought the movie was. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to watch it again and and look out and pay more attention to some of the cinematography and pay more attention to a lot of the scripts and stuff like that, um, without just seeing the spectacle and trying to follow the the, the plot and the story. Right. Well, I, it it holds up under uh, repeated viewing. I, like I said, I've seen it maybe fifty times. I, I'm always noticing other things. It doesn't get old for me. Um, and I'd recommend at some point you listen to episode eight of The Incomparable, which it's is now me been and, bumped up to my list. Me and Dan Morin and John Gruber talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark for an hour, and um, you know, it was 
you know, we we call out a lot of the little details that we appreciate. I would say for for your next viewing, one of the things to watch is watch the shadows. Just watch the shadows. Yeah, see, I, I um, didn't catch that. So. It's crazy when you start noticing the shadows. You, you know, you just it's crazy. Like in that first scene, uh, how the shadows tell the story. Like Indiana Jones appears as a shadow. That's the first time we see him, and and then throughout the 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 way the shadows are used. It, yeah, I mean Spielberg. It's 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 a it's a a beautiful thing, and and you know, and when I say the Last Crusade is a good movie, it is a good movie, but it in my mind, you know, this is this is on a whole other level from that. This is this is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, action adventure movie I think ever. So, yeah, yep, you got a fan. You're doing well on this four for four. Yay. Woohoo! These are all becoming. Uh... Not total favorites, but favorites. You know, like every, all of the the three previous, really, I enjoy those movies. Um, I will watch all of them again, and I like them a lot. But, but I I think Raiders has gone in there now as like a you need to watch this again so it can yeah. become one of your favorite movies. Nice. Um, you know that that's how I feel about it. Um, as I said, I I found some things peculiar. Uh, because you know it was a different time, and and maybe I'm used to different types of violence now. And funnily enough, those violence that violence, whilst more brutal, is less gory in these types yeah. of movies. It's it's uh yes, this is this is now we're in the sort of CGI superhero movie era and the types of effects you can do with that are different. And they're not better or worse, they're they're different. And those stories that, that people are telling today are different. And the scale, like you look at an Avengers movie and so much of the violence in, in a movie like that is on a massive scale that speaks to I think our fears about terrorism and things like that where we talk about you know cities being destroyed and buildings coming down and that 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 imagery is just endlessly played in superhero movies and Raiders of the Lost Ark is not about that it's about you know it's about other stuff it's about uh some personal violence and some horror and and the wrath of god right and things like that which are are supernatural there's a much bigger supernatural element uh to Raiders than than to a superhero movie all right, Mike. Mike uh, and the movie is successful again. Woohoo! Very, very. Uh, genuinely, thank you for making me watch this movie because yeah, I'm glad I may have never seen it because it, it's you know gets to a point where it's like you haven't seen this movie, uh, you maybe will never see. It. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Because Indiana Jones, right? I'm 27 years old and I've not seen Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah. So it, I may have never seen the movie. So. I'm so happy that that this exists, um, that this section exists, so I can be I can find out all about all these great movies. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to the next one. All right, right. I think that wraps it up for this week's episode of Upgrade. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week, you can check online at relay.fm/upgrade/thirty-six. If you'd like to find Mr. Jason Snell on the internet, you can find him over at sixcolors.com. On Twitter, he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Upgrade is part of the Fantastic Relay FM family. You can find this show and many of our others over at relay.fm. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, MailRoute, Casper, and GoToMeeting. And we'll be back next time. Till then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Once again, Mike, we discover that there is nothing that you possess that I cannot take away. Mm-hmm.